right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Radiovania, episode number 117. Wow. Your nerdy public radio for all things entertainment and pop culture. My name is Zach Rotello, and sitting across from me with a nice bottle of Evan Williams in between us is my good friend, John yeah. Swanson. Three Parker. hosts tonight, you, yeah. me, and Evan. Mr. Evan, how are you doing tonight, Evan? What do you have to say about the pod? Put me in your belly. Oh, oh geez. Oh, oh, oh. oh no, he's ripping my head off. That's right. We're back. We're back in action. Um, coming at you with the fucking heat, man. I mean, we've been doing Batman, fucking fast cast, fucking news. That's what we talk semi regularly. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I think we got a little bit more consistent as of late. Yeah, it's which been... is something we always promised that we would, and then we, you know, things didn't happen. That then way. we fly by the seat of our pants, and it kind of just happens. You know, COVID what I mean? happens. And, yeah. Sorry, I'm just gonna add this nice audio quality. Yeah, we're sitting across from each other in uh, beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio, from the Radiovania Studios here, yep. and uh, the home branch. With the home branch, home branch. I mean, wherever the heart is, that's where the home branch. Is. I think Radiovania was birthed. In Lebanon, in your apartment, right? Technically, it was birthed in Lebanon, Ohio, yeah. but then in the Roach Motel, the a lot of the glory days of the podcast, as some would say, was Columbus, Ohio, it's with Toller Street. Yeah, it's yeah. a good point. Oh, man, there's been lots of eras of the pod. Yeah, so we're in the digital era right now. Yeah, yeah. right now we're still in the dig era. But <clears throat> yeah, thank you all for dropping by to listen. I'm guessing that you clicked on this episode because uh, you saw the headline, which is. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. John yeah. and I just got out of a showing of it a few hours ago. We've had time to decompress and we're going to talk about we it cried. on the spot. We smashed a DiGiorno. It's we not did. delivery. It's DiGiorno. Yeah. Uh, we played a card game. I'm still not emotionally ready, but here we are. Here we are. Here we we'll are. figure that out. Yep. Yeah, we're going to take it as it comes, but thank you all for listening. If you have That's never listened true. to the pod before, Radiovania.com. Check out our episodes. Like, subscribe, share, do the whole deal. Give us a rating if you'd like to. It'd be nice. If you don't want to rate us, yeah, that's fine. You could also email us. Send us an email to radiovaniashow at gmail.com or tweet us at Radiovania. We would love to hear what you guys out there thought about Guardians. And if you have any questions for us, any topic ideas or show suggestions or anything like that, you make that you make that strong? You yep. got that look in your eye. You got that, that Jack Torrance look. <laughs> Daddy. Daddy boy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... Uh... White man's burden, Lloyd. <laughs> White man's burden. Bottle of whiskey, you set him up, Lloyd, I'll knock him back. Mm, such a good movie. Top yeah. 10. Top, top 10. 10. Top 10. Top 10. Speaking of movies. Yes. We got a lot of stuff to cover today. We do, yeah. And uh, it's a it's a Zach and John special late night pod. 11.45 p.m. here. Yeah, burning the late so, night oil like in the good old days. So we're going to... We're older now, though, and I'm already tired. <laughs> My we body are hurts. We are older. We did spend most of last night destroying our own bodies with tequila. We did. We the Lord's beverage. Partook in uh, Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. Cincy style. Yes, happy Cinco, Cinco de Mayo Cinco de for Mayo. all that celebrate. Mm-hmm. For all that celebrate, for all the all you white people out there that drink margs and Zach, tacos, Zach and I um, went with our friends Paul and Jen and Zach's girlfriend Emily mm-hmm. to a arcade bar in Cincy. Yeah, where Zach proceeded to cheat his way through winning NBA Jam. 
Did I cheat or no, did I use the game, magic Ewing? The game is broken and you, you didn't cheat. I'm just fucking kidding. <laughs> it was a fun game though. It was, it was a good game. It was a, gl- it was a close tied, game. All tied up with like five seconds left and Ewing just somehow hit two like half Sank court two threes. threes yeah. right, right in a row. That was, uh, you, were, you were the magic, right? Can you imagine yeah. Nick's magic NBA final game? You know, they were, they were definitely... Um, during that time period, Eastern Conference rivals, especially with Shaq versus Ewing back in the day, but the Magic usually handled them pretty well. Yeah, I'm sure. Have you heard of the Ewing theory before? I don't think so. So the Ewing theory is where you describe an athlete that is really good and like all-star caliber, gets your team close to winning a championship, but you never quite do, right? So, like, because he's very good, but the Knicks never won a championship with him. So, like, lots of football players have been, you know, fallen victim to the Ewing theory. Chris Paul's part of the Ewing theory. He's never won a championship. Stuff like that. God, I hope Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, hopefully, is not part of the Ewing theory. <laughs> <laughs> but we will see. Most every Tampa Bay Ray is part of the Ewing theory. Anyway, you guys Sports. didn't come here to listen about... Patrick Ewing. <laughs> but you did come to listen to uh, two chuckleheads talk about this. Speaking of which, I'm at Zach Rotello, John Swansong Parker, at Najathan Parker. Thank you all for dropping in. <sighs> Tequila last night, mm-hmm. whiskey tonight, yep. baseball tomorrow. Yeah. It's like the food pyramid of alcohol. <laughs> Tequila. Hot dogs and beer tomorrow. Yeah. yeah it's going to be great. Yeah. We're just... Treating our body like a temple to Satan. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know how people do it. Sobriety, you know. Oh, I, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they do it. They have, there, there are ways you can have fun. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. we just that's haven't true. found that to be true for the two of us to hang out. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know if I'll ever. Have we it. ever gone like a full thirty-six hours hanging out without drinking at least one type of beverage? I don't think so. Uh, Maybe you're an enabler. <laughs> well, you always got the goods. That's Maybe. True. Yeah. Fuck it. I mean, we could have a sober weekend sometime. It'd be so funny if it was just like, I don't like this guy at all. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out he's a huge dick. <laughs> that would be so funny. Uh, that's not. That, that's impossible. But then that that is impossible. And that night is not tonight. Nope. Um, so yeah, we're going to get through this because it's going to be a good pod. we got a lot of shit to talk about, including Guardians. So strap in. Mm-hmm. That's coming up later. I heard, that, I heard Rocket Raccoon's going to be on the pod. Yeah. 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 Oh, he might make a guest cameo at some <laughs> point. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to him showing up along with all of the other impressions that you do. I mean, Sylvester Stallone is in the movie too. So You do do a good what? spot. <laughs> Gamora, it's good to have you back Gamora. in the It kind of sounds like... Adrian! Yeah, that's better. Yeah, My Sly Stallone, I feel like, just sounds like Vin Diesel. Your Vin Diesel's good, though. Yeah. It's all about family. I mean, Vin Diesel's also in this movie, so we could just, <laughs> just keep that shit going. It's too bad... Uh, who's your other... I don't know. I do a good... Uh, I feel like I do an okay Voldemort. <laughs> Wait, what? Harry Potter is dead. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's fantastic. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know you did that. <laughs> this is a new one for me. I mean, we're, you we're... must have dropped that on people and gotten good feedback and then just forgot to do that for me. Maybe I forgot. I, th- yeah. I thought I'd done that on the pod. That's so good. The fucking, the A. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Ray Fines. What a what legend. What a fucking legend. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't bring that up when we talked about the menu. Oh, the menu. <laughs> Great movie. Great movie, great movie. Uh, do you have any student loans? <laughs> You're gonna die. <laughs> You're gonna die. I went to Brown. You're gonna die. Yeah. All right. So movies, television, comics, books, the whole nine yards. It's a, gonna be a packed ass show. But yeah. before we dive into the news and we get to our Guardians review at the end of the pod, uh, what you been up to, man? Dude, the only thing I've done that's different from the last pod is played Jedi Survivor. That's my big one on mine. Yeah, because so. I think we actually we did a pod last week. Where we did a news and a Batman, so there hasn't been anything new content-wise for me besides that. Um, so yeah, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order from 2019, recently came out last weekend. You and I both have been playing it on PS5. Mm-hmm. I've put about 25 hours in. You have put about eight, maybe. It's a great question. Are. I should have checked. Eight to ten. I should have checked, but it feels like. Where you're at is probably like 8 or 10. 10. Which is exciting to me because like I've had less time to play video games recently. Um, So I've been chipping away like an hour or two at night. So it's been nice to like unwind and be like, okay, let's see what Cal's up to tonight. Sure. And not Uncle Cal. Cal Kestis. So funny that 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 is a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Uh, And they look so alike too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Both redheads. Redhead. (laughs) Tall, jacked. Yeah. Huge cocks. Giant penises. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Jedi Survivor, PS5. That's the main thing that I wrote down. Yeah. Um, You liking it? I'm really enjoying it. It's a really fun game. I think that it iterates on basically everything that the first game did really, really well. Yeah. It definitely elevates some of the beef that I had with the first game in terms of the design mm-hmm. yeah what I really like is that right out the gate you have all of your force abilities and so then it's just like learning the subtleties New within stuff. that mm-hmm. um, so that's cool because I, I went did like, you just say learning the subtleties of the force without a Palpatine impression is that a line is he that's say, the line yeah you gotta watch Revenge of the Sith more dude come on <laughs> <laughs> is that the line where he talks about uh, Jedi Master Darth Plagueis the Wise or whatever? No, it's it doesn't matter. We don't want to we don't fall down this. <laughs> we don't want to go down the road. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really yeah, fun. You have, uh, the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Not from a Jedi. I think you should have won an Oscar for that movie. Okay, that's that is an opinion. Who would he have been up against that year? When 2005 did... Best Supporting Actor. Give me a minute. Okay, take a minute. You talk um, about Survivor. Yeah, just so Jedi Survivor, fun game, having a lot of good fun with it. The story took a little bit of time for me to kind of get invested. It really wasn't until I love the opening. It's I, after that that I'm like, okay, why am I doing this? Yeah, I was like, why am I doing these things? And then it yeah. was like, okay, we got to get the team back together. And I was like, okay, now I'm in. Um, it wasn't really until that first mission where you're going to Kobo to like get spoilers, I guess, slight spoilers for Jedi Survivor. Um, but it wasn't until like trying to get the team back and like get, get Grease and find Seer and all that. I was like, okay, now I'm having much more investment. To, what, what do you got for me? What's she smirking about? Nothing. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I agree with everything that you're saying. Uh, okay. Did you find the 2005 best supporting actors? I did. Um, I'm pulling up the full list. Though. Okay. Okay. Best supporting actors. 
George Clooney in Syriana, Matt Dillon in Crash, Paul Giamatti in Cinderella Man, Jake Gyllenhaal in Brokeback Mountain. Mm, Shocked that he didn't win. And William Hurt in A History of Violence. Just saying, we could have snuck an Ian McDermott in there for Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> Drop William Hurt, R.I.P. What was the last Oscar the Star Wars franchise won? Did it win any Oscars? The last Oscar that a Star Wars movie won was probably the first Star Wars movie. They don't. They haven't won any since then. Interesting. I don't think. They've been nominated, like especially the music. John the music always gets nominated, but I don't know if they won any in the prequel era. They haven't won any in the sequel era. I don't know why. It's so weird. The the sequel trilogy music is so good. Excellent. They lost to Joker and like Hateful Eight and stuff. Yeah, which is the like, Joker's score is actually pretty good. It's not better than a Star Wars score though. Could be in so fucking independent film. Joker. Yeah, yeah. Joker, independent film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only the most financially viable R rated movie of all time. Oh, um but here's what so Jedi Survivor. Yeah. The game doesn't run well. No. It does not run well at all. Um, fair warning to people out there. Like, I'm able to kind of look past some of the technical bugs because I am having such a fun time. Sure. But, boy, howdy. Are, uh, is there some stuff in this game yeah. that I'm just, like, shocked that it's not polished more considering... They rushed it. But they've been working on this game for... The last one only came out four years ago. Four years is a long time to be yeah, in development. But, mm, yeah, that's true. Rocksteady's about to be working there were six on years in between Suicide Squad for decades. So. Yeah, but that game's going to be perfect. No, that game's going to be bad. No. Did no. you see the most recent trailer? Rocksteady? You think it's going to suck? It looks bad. What do you mean? It's an always online four-person shooter. What? It's a looter shooter. Not no. story-based. No. It's four-player online. No. It's Gotham Knights. No. Yeah. No. And they just delayed it to April of next year. <laughs> we lost them, dude. Rocksteady's Rocksteady's probably gonna crumble. They're probably gonna fold. Oh, that sucks. They should just make another Arkham game. Fuck they it. should absolutely make another Arkham game. And they sell like hotcakes. By the time Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League comes out, there will like in that same time Arkham there Knight were three will... Arkham games. Yeah. Arkham Knight, ten years old, almost. Still better. Yes, so good, so good. Yeah, so but back to Survivor. Yeah. Like definitely has some bugs running. There's some traversing issues that I've noticed that are really frustrating at times where it's like kind of like Mario, but like, you know, it happens. It's just like I definitely landed on that thing, but I didn't. Whatever. Um for me, can I talk can I tell my story now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So there's a major problem that happened the first weekend. It's been fixed with the recent patch. But one of the first story missions, you fall down into a cave at about the two or three hour mark of the game. So it's still pretty early when you first get to Kobo. You meet a droid in the cave and the droid activates an elevator for you to leave after you solve a puzzle in the cave. So there's a meditation point, which is something throughout the Jedi games where you can save your progress and upgrade your skills and all that kind of shit. There's one down in the cave and in the game, whenever you die, you go back to the, the last meditation point you used. I saved while I was down there just to upgrade a skill because there's no combat down in that cave. Got back up to the surface and instead of going to the cantina with the droid to progress the story, I was like, I'll go finish that in a little bit. 
let me go run to this other cave and see what's going on over here. I got killed by a fucking centipede that came out of nowhere. Didn't even see that shit coming. And I died. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Get teleported back down into the cave because that was the last meditation point. Droid is no longer there to operate the elevator. And the, oper- the elevator had to be operated by the droid mm-hmm. because, as you know, if you follow the droid to the cantina, she gives you the thing that operates the elevator. So I missed it by like a couple of minutes. But because of the, the design of the game being open world, lots of people like me fell into that mistake where they're like, well, I'll just go continue the main story later. And then they got stuck down there. And you can fast travel between meditation points, but not during a story mission. And they wouldn't let people out of the cave. So day one, people playing the game, they fall into this problem. They put in a ticket on EA.com. No one fixed the problem. So most people were like bitching about the game versus other people just being like, just start over, skip all the cutscenes, and run through it really quick. You'll be back there within like two hours. So I played... The first two hours of Jedi Survivor, twice, on the same day. Hmm. So, I've seen that opening twice. <laughs> At least it was a pretty cool opening. I did better the second time because I sure. you know, knew what was happening. Yeah. But anyway, no, yeah, so it's extremely I'm... frustrating at the time, but now, given how long the game is, I'm kind of glad that I didn't wait for them to just fix the patch and just start over. So Yeah. And do you know what the patch does you can fast travel out of the okay so the so the the okay so the patch enables you to be able to fast travel if you're at that save point in the cave got it yep so funny though like yeah i mean that's big oversight huge oversight yeah that, that's it and what, for, a, for a uh, 70 dollar triple a title mm-hmm. that you know a lot of people are going to play because it's a fucking star wars game so yeah, it's 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 funny to me because like I I know I don't know like I don't know everything about the the world of game development, but I do know that there is rigorous QA and testing before a game is released to public and goes gold. And so people play test and like try to actively break the game. This seems like a weird one where it's like what happened? Who missed that? Because if you they were lost trying their job, to, that's that's what happened. If you yeah. were trying to break the game, I feel like that would have been an easy one for you to find. Yeah. So, yeah. have you run into any other game breaking bugs like that since? Nope. That? But okay. let me tell you, I'm very trepidatious about saving in caves now, like very much, or like new areas where I can't see a way out. Like if I'm like I can definitely like it actually like made me start to analyze the game differently. Where I'm like, okay, I can actually like climb on all this stuff, so I'm good. Very, very weird way to play a video game, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, I never ran into anything like that, but it has hard crashed my PS5 three times. So, and it's usually... I've had one hard crash. It's usually when I'm trying to do either a puzzle or jumping puzzle. So, yeah. like, I'm, like, wall climbing or something like that, and then Cal will just, like, freeze... Yeah, <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm like, oh no! And then sometimes it'll like buffer, and then the PS5 will go back to normal. But three times it's been where I've had to completely power off my console, like with the power cycle reset, and then turn it back on. Wow. Okay, I've just had to close the game app and then reboot it. It's hard crash my whole PS5. That's bad. Bad. Very bad. Yeah. I've had uh, um, people that I know that have been playing the game. Shout out to Jimmy, uh, if you're listening. Um, shout out to you Jimmy 
yeah, he said that it also hard crashed his a couple of times. But the the crash that I had was I was fighting a bunch of battle droids and I was just getting my fight. They were just like curb stomping like good fellas when they're all stepping on that guy in the bar. Like I got hit by like six guys, <laughs> died, blew up and then fell off of a cliff and I just kept falling. Just falling. That's funny. Just falling and falling and falling and falling. And then I hit respawn eventually, and then the screen was black and it wouldn't start. But you could hear BD going like, so it's just like the game didn't restart after I did that. You can hear Cal going, ah! (laughs) (laughs) I've been falling for 30 minutes! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but other than the technical stuff, I think the game is impressive. Could have sent an email, electronic letter. Hmm. Do you have a computer? (laughs) No, what for? Yeah, no, the game is the game is beautiful. It looks fantastic. The environment design is really cool. Some of the character models are a little bit weird looking. Like sometimes in cutscenes, Cal looks great and the other characters look fantastic. But then there's some like some cutscenes that where I'm like, that looks like that looks like a character model off of like Battle of Terrace Kasi or whatever that fucking Star Wars game from like two thousands. That's wow! What a what a fucking yeah. shout out to that. Yeah. Jedi Jedi power battles Jedi power 64 battles. too yeah. that was yeah you know for me I think the the big improvements on this are obviously um, the stances and customizing your character yeah the customization and the way you play is very cool mm-hmm. I like that a, a lot um, that makes the game feel very unique to the player which is kind of cool to add that RPG element mm-hmm. the skill tree options are so immense that it's like you could really just be a very different kind of Jedi. Like, you have been playing with single and double a lot, but now you're into the cross-guard lightsaber. Yeah, I just unlocked the heavy. Yeah, so, um, so I've been doing single and twin blades, like uh, Sokotano. So it's just, like, very different types of stuff. And I tend to upgrade all my force as much as possible because I just like to, like pull people in, throw them around, like slow down time, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's what's really fun to me about being a Jedi. But I like playing with your food. I love it. I love it. I love throwing them up in the air and smacking them back down like the Hulk. Um, How do you lightsaber throw? Oh, Can you yeah, do that? Yeah, L1 and triangle. Okay. That, if you don't remember that from the first game, they will not tell you. Yeah, they You never... gotta look it up. Yeah. If you go to the controls menu in the settings, it'll tell you. L1 triangle. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try that shit later. <laughs> yeah it's cool um but yeah so that makes the game really enjoyable for me the worlds obviously there's so you know of one that's from the movies um that's the only one from the movies that i've encountered so i like having new places as well which is really exciting um and i think the story's good i like this i like it quite a bit the villain i don't want to talk to you about quite yet because i think you need to experience a little bit more of it um, but I'd be curious to see what you think when you when you get further into the game. Yeah, because he's he is like kind of like then when you first meet him, you're like you're like what's the deal here? You know what I mean? And it's like all old Republic stuff, which is cool, but it's a very big departure from the Inquisitors, which are a very fun villain group. But obviously, I'm glad they didn't focus on that again because that would have felt very repetitive. Sure, especially coming off of Kenobi from last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, people said the game is like 28 to 30 hours long, like depending on what you're doing or how you're playing, but 
a lot of people that I saw online, like reading reviews, listening to people talk about it, people said like, there's like a moment that happens a little bit into the game where it's like this story really kicks into gear and like you start really getting like big things happen. And I have not hit that yet. <laughs> so I'm sure when I hit that, we'll have a lot more to talk about. Yeah. About like the, the game's story. But right now I'm just like, oh, it's kind of cool we're getting the team together. It feels very Mission Impossible-y. Yeah, I think... Or Fast Five. Yeah, Fallen Order is very much Cal rediscovering his Jedi heritage because he's been in hiding for so long. Whereas this is more of like how... What's the current state of the galaxy going to look like now that the Empire isn't going away? Which is kind of an interesting concept. This is the first story that I've seen in Star Wars where people are just accepting the fact that the Empire is massive and that they can't really do anything about that but try to survive. Whereas like in, you know, the originals or, or something like that, it's always like, well, you know, we can always blow something up, right? There's always a way to do that, you know, stuff like that. So I think that's that's kind of smart on their part to be like, and that's the theme of the game. Obviously, that's why they call it Survivor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's 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 really fun. I'm looking forward to playing it more. Um, it's just a bummer because it's like the way that game development works. It's like such a long and arduous process. But I'd play a game like this every year. No, oh, absolutely. Like. And it's just a bummer that I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe this is like a better dis- a discussion for another pod, but it feels to me like we are getting less high caliber quality games, um, and they're being way more spread out. Like yeah. I don't play as many games. I usually just wait until the big ones come out. So for me, I don't necessarily feel that way because I feel like every game I play has usually been vetted by you already have playing it or us both being genuinely interested in it like Fallen Order or Ragnarok mm-hmm. or something like that. So like the last the last four games that I played that were new that were not me replaying The Last of Us were Fallen Order, Ragnarok, Inside, which is obviously very old, Great. and then Resident Evil Village. And I've enjoyed all of those immensely for very different reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we're, we're, it's May of 2023, and in this calendar year, we've gotten three games of consequence. God of War. Yeah. Resident God of War Evil, was technically last year. Was it? So then in this year, Resident Evil 4 Remake and okay. this, and yeah, Jedi Survivor. Yeah. Both great games. Resident Evil 4 is probably still the best video game I've played this year. Tears for the Kingdom. Uh, but yeah, next Friday is is Tears of the Kingdom, Zelda. That'll occupy a shit ton of my time. But then after that, it's like nothing. Spider-Man 2. Until the fall. Mm. So like it's like a barren summer. When's the Wolverine game? That's like a couple years out. <sighs> I can't wait. I know. Where do you think that's going to be? Where? Yeah, because like, Canada. you know, Insomniac games all have one massive area that you, that you I think roam. the rumors with this game is that it's going to be a little bit more like narrative focus and not like open world hmm. so it's not like Spider-Man is in New York City goes do side quests and stuff I think it's like I think it's going to be like a Last of Us style narrative which made me hard a little bit <laughs> give you a little chub if Pedro Pascal plays Wolverine in the Insomniac <laughs> game fucking do me. Just do me right there. Pedro Pascal. What about Troy Baker? Yeah, that'd be good. I think he'd be great. I think 
Trey Baker can pretty much voice whoever What do you he want wants. out of a Wolverine game? Violence. Okay, so you want it to be rated M? Yes, has you to want, be. Can Insomniac do that? Have they yes. done that? Yeah, well, have they done it? Yes, they have, but not with Sony. Um, they made Sunset Overdrive, which was an Xbox exclusive. They made one Xbox exclusive in their entire how development come, history. How does Sony have access to Wolverine as a character? It's owned by Fox, which is now owned by Disney. Maybe Must be a separate deal for video yeah, games. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was a separate licensing deal for video games. Interesting. Anyway, people don't want to hear about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, I'm excited for you to get up to where I am in Fallen Order because I just played a really great hour and a half stretch before I came down here for the weekend. And I'm very excited to dive back in when I go back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll be in touch. We'll be in touch, and I'll let you know, and I'll let everybody else know out there how I like the end, and then maybe. Maybe if there's enough juicy meat on the bones, we could do like some sort of like spoiler conversation about it. I in would the like future. to do that in the future, you like know? a re- just full a, review, just a quick little touch on some of the major beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. But yeah, other than that, the only thing I wrote down for what we've been up to is uh, f- today was Free Comic Book Day. We did, so go we stopped to some by a couple shops, shops yeah. to check out the books. We were not super impressed with the selection of free books. I didn't even grab free books. I <laughs> didn't read. Accidentally bought them. Didn't read the covers. Accidentally bought some books that were on the table. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Support your local stores. Yeah, for sure. But, um, okay, cool. Well, I say, why waste? Why waste any time? Yeah, let's do it. It's already after midnight. It's after midnight. It's always after, never feed a gremlin after midnight. Or Zach and John, Evan Williams after midnight. Mm. We're ordering White Castle again, aren't we? I don't know if my intestines can take that. Your body's just like, no. I'm telling you what, our uh, the toilet in this household has seen some shit. It's been working overtime. <laughs> That's for sure. It's that it's that SpongeBob meme where he's like not wearing any pants and is like breathing. Yeah. Okay. N- time to take a little trip to the news flashpoint. Mid-John. I still got it. I still pulled it off. You pulled it off. I still pulled it off. Um, writer's strike. Yeah. It's the big talk of the town. The this is t- the big... The terror of Tinseltown. This is the big one. This is, uh, this is the most, um, this is the news this week with the most consequence. So I'll go ahead and just read y'all what I got here from Deadline. Uh, and this originally broke on May 1st. So it's been about a week now. The Writers Guild of America is officially on strike. Quote, though we negotiated intent on making a fair deal, and though your strike vote gave us a leverage to make some gains, the studio's responses to our proposals have been wholly insufficient, given the existential crisis writers are facing. End quote. This is a, spoke, is a quote from the WGA uh, sent to, directly to members now. They said, quote, We must now exert the maximum leverage possible to get a fair contract while withholding our labor. The guild leadership added, members of the negotiating committee, board, and council will be out with you on the picket lines. Um, News of the strike, which takes into effect in a few hours, came late Monday after the guild's negotiations with the AMPTP failed to reach an agreement on a new film and scripted TV contract. It's the WGA's first strike since the 100-day walkout of 2007-2008. So, um, pretty historic. This doesn't happen often. The last time it happened was 2007. Yep. We all know what happened then. Uh, so, you know, 
there's a lot of news here. You guys can go out and kind of read and get caught up a little bit, but that's the main meat of the matter. So I guess my my question to you is twofold. It would be, do you think this lasts the same amount of time? Hmm... And because we're in a different era, 2007, 2008 was no a streaming. long time ago. No streaming. no streaming back then. That was for syndicated television and, um, yeah, like all people writing on like big shows like The Office and Lost and like, yeah, 2007 TV's landscape was such a different time. A completely different The immediate world. impact that we're feeling, I think, is the same as it was in 2007, which is like um, late night comedy stuff like Jimmy Fallon. SNL all of that stops SNL, all anything like that is is stopping immediately because those are literally, you know, birthed from such a large group of writers. So and you're always writing on that. Whereas like scripted television and movies, obviously you might be able to finish a script before the deadline that happened a couple of days ago and it can still get made mm-hmm. in the next couple months or however long this could go on for. Yeah. But yeah, to answer your question, I do think this could go on for a decent amount of time because they're in very uncharted waters where they have not been getting, in my opinion, you can disagree with me if you want, people that are listening, if whatever, but the CEOs of these major corporations that have been launching streaming services, whether it's successful or not, have been clearing checks on all of this IP that they're producing and, you know... The fact that writers aren't seeing any residuals on streaming does particularly bother me. Like, I personally, for example, have watched the Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries 10 times, right? Joby Harold should be getting a lot of money because I keep going back to watch it. Whether I agree with all the writing or not, like that, every time you hit click play, they got to have some way to quantify that in the same way that you know, Harrison Ford still gets paid for whenever people rent Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, or whatever. But I don't know. Maybe it's just because I just watched Air. I'm really into residuals right now. So <laughs> that's honestly that 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 going in tandem with the writer's strike is actually very fascinating. Sure. For Matt and Ben to be launching artist equities during this time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, what do you think? No, I'm with you completely. I think that uh, streaming is the big question mark here, and this will be a defining thing to look for us to look back on after the strike is over in a few years and think about like you know what the ramifications are of this strike of this version of it because um, Disney Plus, Netflix, the, all this shit just was not even a concept that we had in 2008. Like. Netflix was a concept, but it wasn't what it is now. No, you um, could rent DVDs. Yeah. So, remember the queue? I remember the queue. So fucking funny. That Getting a little red. Be how, it, how it worked. They shipped their last one this year. Yeah. Anyway. But, so yeah, we'll see what comes out of this. I, I kind of agreed to, to, though, that I think that it could be longer. Um, it also could be shorter because the economy is a little bit more... I mean, 2008, 2000, like... History repeats History itself. History repeats itself. <laughs> so hopefully this isn't a uh, precursor to another complete market collapse. Yeah, hopefully, um, no, hopefully not. Hopefully not. But um, I will say, though, that I think that this is going to be, and we'll talk about this when we talk about Blade, I think that this could be potentially a shifting moment for franchises. Big time. Um, because not only did we just go through an entire global pandemic where 
the concept of movies and and like how streaming has become even a bigger part of our lives like things are changing rapidly and people are trying to figure out like every company out there every movie studio every tv studio they're all trying to figure out how to make the most money possible and not paying the writers has worked for this long i'm curious to know like if who they're gonna get to because the WGA is a group of writers, but there are other writers out there that don't work with the WGA. Correct. So they just look for quality. So it's like we should pitch. We should start. Scripts. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, is that we would not be getting paid very well. Star Wars <laughs> Episode Ten, written by Radiovania. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's like, wow, there's a lot of Natalie Portman in this, and she's topless most of the time. It's like... <laughs> naked Force Ghost. Naked naked Force Ghost. Do you think you can masturbate when you're a Force Ghost? No. But I feel like being Put a Force just, Ghost just is just like a constant state of, like, orga- or like, an orgasmic afterlife. So you're just constantly orgasmic. Yeah, that's why Ben Kenobi's just like... <laughs> if you choose to face Vader, you will do it alone. Yeah. <laughs> there is another. There is another. Um, yeah, so the writer's strike, it's a big deal. Uh, it's definitely going to be popping up in the news. Um, I think it's also a potential good opportunity to maybe throw some projects for these big IPs that shouldn't really be happening down the toilet. But I don't want to take jobs away from people either. But. I think you and I could both admit that some of the streaming content lately has just not been good. And this is across multiple platforms. Like we saw, what, three trailers, commercials for Paramount Plus shows at the movie tonight. A Grease prequel. It's a Grease prequel. It's a Fatal Attraction remake straight to Paramount Plus. Like, what the fuck? Like, what? Dude, streaming, streaming is like fast food. Or, that's not a good analogy. Streaming is like a buffet. Like Golden Corral. It's like Golden Corral. <laughs> or CeCe's Pizza. Sure. <laughs> it's like CeCe's Pizza. Yeah. That's good. There's fucking the Grease prequel or goddamn uh, fucking Love is Blind, which are like the macaroni and cheese pizza, where it's like, <laughs> it's like... I don't know if this should exist. It probably shouldn't. What's but it doing I, I, here? Fuck it. I'm going to try it. But I'm going to try it. And a lot of people will try it, but you won't remember that pizza. You'll 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 close the door on that pizza. It might wreck your lower intestines, maybe give you the morning poops, but you're not going to it's not going to sit with you for a long time. Mm, um, yeah. then there are the standouts like the traditional maybe CC's has like a they got a traditional pepperoni. Like a Cuban pizza or something. Sure. Something yeah. like that. Just traditional something, pepperoni. Something exciting and that's like the bear. It's like the bear. It's like the bear. It's, uh, I mean, I can't even say Better Call Saul because that was network television technically. But it's like HBO. You got Last of Us. It's like, there are the standouts. There are the moments. Sure, White Lotus, Succession's the big one right now. Um, But it's like, yeah, most of the time it's like, do you ever just look at Netflix? Just look at the just added section of Netflix and you'll see like... Who worked on this? Who made this? Who who put money into this? And is this generating any money for this company? Well, clearly it's generating money for the company and not the writers, hence the strike, right? Exactly. So it's like whether you and I sit down to watch 
Fatal Attraction on Paramount Plus. Someone worked on that. Somebody worked on it and they deserve to be paid for it for yeah. the people that do go out of their way to watch it because the whole point of streaming is it's selective, right? It is you watch whatever you want to watch. We have all these options, you pick it, but if you pick it, those people should be getting the rewards from it because it's not a box office. Like you gotta, there's definitely an algorithm that does that. Right now, it's just like, all right, David Zaslav's just like grabbing all the poker chips and like pulling them over to his side, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, it's very interesting. It is very interesting and ultimately like I completely agree with you by saying like, there needs to be a more fair disbursement here because like, I, I, I mean, not to get uber political on the pod, I know we don't. We've never done that ever. We've never done that ever. Um, There are too many people in the entertainment industry that are on the top of the heap. Yeah. That are like the big dogs, the big collectors, the your Bob Bob Iger's, your Bob's, Bob Paycheck and uh, Bob Iger. Bob Iger. Uh, I would probably even say there's a lot of producers out there. Kevin Feige. Uh, Hate to say it, but maybe my our guy Filoni. James Gunn. James, well, yeah, James Gunn. Um, creatives. John Favreau. Favreau. Creatives or businessmen, people at the top of the ladder that are getting a lion's share of the profits when there should yeah. be a more even split. Not suggesting that we need to make film and entertainment a communist or socialist sort of yeah. market. Everyone shares everything. No. There is a sense of capitalism to there always will be in in the US especially. Like there always will be that sense of capitalism when it comes to this sort of thing, but it does make the people at the very top, the people that are deciding how much these writers get paid look like quite 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 the assholes because you're causing an entire group of workers to just say no. Like yeah. That's pretty yeah. That's pretty uh that's pretty substantial. My, yeah, yeah, definitely. But, I, you know, I hope they find something that is mutually beneficial because obviously we want, we want to continue to have our entertainment venues. But at the same time, I, I don't think it's rude of me to say that it would be best if they found a way that people get paid based off of if their stuff is viewed. Because I want to create a society where they stop making stuff that doesn't need to exist just to make something to fill a streaming platform. Yeah. Hence the like the live action Pinocchio, for example. Oh, that God. was a direct to di- the direct to Disney Plus film. They're doing that again with the Peter Pan movie that's coming out soon. So did you see the reviews on the Peter Pan movie? Uh, no, are they bad? They're positive. Really? It's like a seventy something percent. It's because Jude Law. Apparently Jude good. Law's pretty good. He's good in everything. You seen Gattaca? I've never seen Gattaca. It's good. Seen Secrets of Dumbledore? <laughs> I have. Yeah. Have you seen uh, Captain Marvel? I have, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll keep y'all abreast of the situation with the writer's strike. I'm sure we're going to be hearing about this. This is a this is a big story, and it's it's fascinating because like in the digital age right now where we're at, like people are immediately aware of this. I don't know if we were as aware of stuff like this back in 07, 08. Dude, 07, 08, the only TV shows that I was watching was like... Lost. I wasn't even watching that back then. I was in middle school. I wasn't allowed to watch that then. You didn't watch it during the writer's strike? I remember watching I season watched four it, as a... I watched it on Netflix years later. Really? Yep. 
Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I think the only cable television show that I watched in like the mid two thousands would just be like Nickelodeon, Disney Channel stuff, huh. and then like, um, <laughs> uh, what's the Scooby Doo? I was a big what's fan. What's the Scooby Doo? Yeah, a lot of reality TV. Yeah, American Idol. Yeah, remember when they canceled the Scoob sequel? I do remember that. That's Though so it was supposed to be like a Zaslav. What are you doing? That was a Zaslav decision. Well, Max. Max. <laughs> you man, the first time you did that, I I about spit out my fucking drink. That was so funny. But yeah, writer strike. We're gonna keep you guys uh, updated because, like I said, digital age. Things could move, either they're going to move slower or they're going to rapidly move quicker. Um, what has been cool though is seeing like all the support on Twitter and like social media is like creatives, actors, people that are in the industry, like jumping on the picket lines, like issuing statements or whatever, like saying like why they're standing with the WGA. Yeah. So it's definitely more, uh, it's more aware now. I think this is more in the public eye and more in the limelight because of social media yep. and the digital age. So we'll see if that increases the speed in which we get things back on track. Because, tell you what, I hate to say it, but this ends with them going back to work. It's just a matter of to what level of satisfaction. Yeah. Because it's not like these people are just going to quit their jobs and then go work at a Best Buy it's like yeah. writers wanted to write for a reason and yeah. this big of a group of them they're gonna have to figure something out they're gonna have to come to some sort of compromise so we'll see what happens and what projects get fucked imagine um, do you think is James Gunn in the WGA is that Superman script done God, I hope so. I don't want. To, I, I don't, don't want. I don't think, want that movie to be pushed. I don't think he is part of the WGA. Oh, okay, well, that's good then. Him and Ryan Johnson are just doing their own thing. Oftentimes, like writer directors are rare. Like, it's usually, yeah. Usually, it's a script from someone that then gets sent over to a director. It's rare that you have someone that's a James Gunn that's a I love written writer director. directors. They're Me great. Too. That's one of my favorite things. Yep, that's usually you can usually tell a good project. If someone is through the whole creative process from script, from pen on the page to what's going on the camera, like that usually indicates a sign of quality. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll see. Um, next up, we're just going to breeze by this one. Pedro Pascal is joining the Ridley Scott Gladiator sequel. Yeah, so what's the deal with the sequel? Like, I is have it, no fucking idea. Do you think it's a soft reboot? Is, is it Gladiators in a different country? Is it a continuation of Gladiator? Do you like Gladiator? I like Gladiator. It might be another one of my Zack take movies where I think it's a little overrated. Oh, right. Yeah, I knew you were going to fucking say that, you little fucking snake. The end of that movie, the last 20 minutes of that movie is magic. Yeah, where he dies. Yeah. Spoilers, I guess, from that fucking years the shit out of Gladiator. <laughs> if you have not watched Gladiator at this point, where he goes to um, Elysium with his family. So Elysium. Sick. There's a lot of like very slow shots of him touching wheat in that movie, though. That's kind of strange. That image it's of very... Russell Crowe walking through the wheat fields is like burned into my brain, though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a great movie. 
but I think that you leave the movie feeling really good, really positive about that, it because the end is so strong. I think it's the be- very strong. I think the beginning is a little weaker. That movie. Oh, you don't like the Richard Harris stuff? Dumbledore? He's yeah, the Emperor at the beginning. Remember? No, you don't remember this at all. We need to rewatch Gladiator. Maybe Gladiator interview. One. Gladiator interview. <laughs> Time to rank the Gladiator movies. I would love to do a Ridley... We should do them for filmmakers. A Ridley Scott and review. Yeah, that would Wes be Wes Anderson really and re- stuff like oh, that. I'd fuck with that so hard. But you, like you Ridley, got Ridley Scott would be cool because we could do like Alien, Blade Runner, fucking Gladiator. Like Then we have to watch Prometheus, which sucks. But uh, It's 2010's. When was the last time you watched Prometheus? In theater. You should give another shot. I will when we do a pod for it, but I don't particularly want to torture myself in the meantime. Oh, I like that movie quite a bit still. So, but anyway, that's a Gladiator whole movie. 2. If Pedro's the Gladiator, I'm in. If he's the Emperor, I'm also in. Austin Butler's also in this movie. Yeah. Um, I kind of want, I just, I kind of want to just, let's make, let's let Austin Butler cook some more. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's joining this cast list though. Paul Mezcal. Who's starring as Lucius? So Pedro Pascal is not the star of the movie. It's Paul Mezcal who is that new newcomer. He was an after son. He was nominated. He's playing Lucius. His character's name is Lucius. That's the that's the kid. So then he's playing his son. Whoa! So it is a sequel. So he's Connie. So Connie Nielsen's probably gonna be in this movie then. Connie Nielsen and Denzel Washington are in it. So Denzel Washington's in it. I'm in. Is, so, he the, is he the new emperor? That's... Oh. I don't think it says. Uh, but Joseph Quinn is in it, who is fucking yep. Bill, uh, Billy Batson. No. What's his name? Joseph Quinn. Joseph Quinn, long-haired dude from Stranger Things, right? Joseph Quinn. Oh, he's uh, Billy. Billy. Yeah. His name was Billy? Billy Batson is from Shazam. Billy Batson is Shazam. He's Billy. He's Max's, Max's brother. <laughs> no, 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 no. Joseph Quinn is... That guy. Oh, he's, uh, oh, I already forgot his name. Why can't I remember his fucking name? Hold on. Metallica Eddie Munson. Boy. Eddie Munson. There it is. Yeah, Eddie Munson's in the movie. Talk about it. In in the brain cell and then what? out into the brain pit. Shout yeah. out to Julia for that term. <laughs> the brain pit? The brain pit. That's where stuff goes oh, to die. Brain. It just exists down there. She described it as like, you know where Bing Bong Bing lines Bong up? Bing Bong inside <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, Julia. That was a good. That's a good. Uh, yeah, Fucking and then Eddie Munson. I like him. Yeah, Joseph Quinn, Connie Nielsen, Denzel Washington, Paul Mezcal, Pedro Pascal, and Barry Keegan um, are all in the flick. Yeah. Barry Keegan's definitely the villain. He looks like a comedist looking motherfucker. Comedist looking motherfucker. Yeah, that movie made me hate Joaquin Phoenix for a while. When he stabs him before their fight, I'm like, you little fucking bastard. This little piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. Shit you. Yeah. Yeah. Gladiator came out in the year 2000. Can you believe that? That movie's 23 years old. When we do our 2000s listens episode, we should talk about that movie some more. Yeah. Gladiator was nominated. The original Gladiator was nominated for 12 Oscars, winning five, including Best Picture. I hate you saying the original Gladiator because now that makes you feel old. That movie is fucking amazing. I don't know why you think it's overrated. It's, it's just, really great. I'm just saying it's just another one of those movies where it's like it, it is amazing, but it's just not. It's it. I just think it's the a bar was so low in 2000s. That's why. Like it, compared to sure. today's standards, yeah, it'd probably be white noise. But back in the day, like think about like 
what other movies from the early 2000s are stand out that aren't part of an IP like Lord of the Rings or comic book stuff? Tarantino shit. Yeah, early 2000s was defined by like what, Kill Bill, Volume 1 and 2? Sure. For him. Jackie Brown, was that the 90s? Jackie still? Brown was still the 90s, I think. But, yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, I'll, maybe, I, maybe I need to give it another watch. I think the last time I watched Gladiator all the way through was high school. I watch the movie once a year, easily. It's my favorite Jaiman Huntsu performance as well. He's in that? Yeah. Son of a bitch. Dude. We're, I mean. we're watching this movie tonight. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as this is done, we're watching Gladiator. Uh, Alright, next Did, up. Have I told you my, my favorite part of Gladiator? What's your favorite What we part? do in life echoes in eternity. It's one of the greatest lines ever. It's a good line. John and I are getting buried next to each other. With His gravestone, what we do in life, mine, echoes in eternity. That's a good idea. Yeah. But your graves will be empty because you don't want to be buried. Correct, because I want to be cremated. Don't but you bury. still want a tombstone. Yes. A grave marker. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The frost. Sometimes it makes the blade stick. Schnicked. I want my tombstone to say, uh, he should have had one and then switched to beer. Okay, I will. I'll do that for you. Because that's how I'm going out. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna <laughs> end up going. I to... can't wait to be like. <laughs> Never mind. This is gonna get really boring. <laughs> okay, let's move on then. <laughs> uh, so we saw it tonight in front of our presentation of Guardians, but uh, the new Dune trailer came out finally. Yeah. Part uh, two. So Dune Part Two. This was the talk of the town this past week before Guardians because uh, this is probably one of the most anticipated movies of this year. Um, thoughts? I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I enjoyed the first Dune. Um, I still, I still hated where they left off at the end of the first movie, but knowing that it's supposed to be a two part adventure, I think watching a supercut of that someday is gonna be pretty sick. Uh, it's got my girl Florence Pugh. It's got our guy Austin Butler. Christopher Walken's joining the cast as the Emperor. Um, this will focus more on the Fremen, whereas the first part, as you know, from seeing Dune, is the first half of the book. It's a lot of stuff with House Atreides. So the Fremen stuff, I think, is actually more interesting. So I think there's potential for this one to be a little bit more exciting in terms of story, because the first Dune, kind of boring. It's kind of boring. It is a space politics. It's, it's uh, like the it's, Phantom Menace, but it's, it's like it's like the Attack of the Clones without the Django stuff. It's just like all politics and talking and walking and talking and forbidden love. Yeah, um, <laughs> and also more Zendaya because she's barely in the first movie. Yeah, but that story- character is so big in the second half of the book. So yeah, Shawnee, right? Shawnee. Shawnee. Yeah. So the memory I'll always have of Dune was I saw the Denny Villeneuve Dune in IMAX because I it, but it was like during the pandemic, uh, like the heat of the pandemic. But I really liked Denny Villeneuve and I wanted to see Dune on the IMAX because yeah. I wasn't sure if I'd ever ever have the opportunity again. Yeah. So I masked up. I went to the movie. I sat in this whole fucking three hour long movie with people all around me being gross at the theater. Um, and it was a good movie. I really enjoyed the experience of seeing it in IMAX, but I'll never forget, like, the lights came up, like, right after, right when it cuts to credits, and there was a group of girls behind me. I think I told the story on the pod, like, young women, maybe, like, in college or whatever, and they were not happy yeah. with how much Zendaya was in that movie. Because she's in all of the marketing. And in none and that of were all movie. that was all of her scenes, yeah. Um... Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. There's some weird shit, though, in the end of the Dune book that I don't know if they're going to be able to fully 
transcribe into a movie. We'll see. Um, it's cool though. Also, Leah Sadu's joining the cast for the second half too. Awesome, Butler. They're actually going to focus. Yeah, we mentioned that. I think they're going to focus on actually fleshing out the villains, which they don't have time to do in the first part. They're just like Harkonnens are evil, and now they're here. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, cool. No Momoa though. In the no Momoa half, and, and no, no Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Isaac, which is a big, He's big, great. yeah, big, big, big sin for me because I think yeah. he is so good in that first part. But um, more Josh Brolin. Uh, Gurney's a big part of the second half as well. Cool. So. I'm but really looking forward to it. Here's I'm the thing, more, man. I'm more excited for Javier Bardem. That was my favorite character in the book, so I'm excited to see more of him. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, dude. Correct me if I'm wrong. Denny, don't miss. Denny, don't miss. Denny, don't miss. That's his nickname. <laughs> yeah, old Denny, don't miss. <laughs> that guy is... Sicario! <laughs> that guy literally just steps up to the plate every time and hits it out of the park. Yeah. He's Every great. time. I, I don't think he's made a bad movie. This is movie. one of the best casts I've seen of like any type of like contemporary actors. You know what I mean? For a sci-fi movie. For sure. So, For sure. yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I, the, here's the thing, and you mentioned it too. Uh, they show worm riding in the trailer. I think that might have been a really cool moment to save for the actual movie, but... Um... Or make the trailer only the worm riding. And I miss else. I miss when teasers were just a scene from the movie and that's all you got. Love it. That was always the best. Right. Like one of my favorite trailers, not indicative of the movie's quality, but remember the trailer for Wolf, the Wolverine that was just the bullet train. Yep. Like just like a like a minute of that, and then mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, and he does that like jump toward the camera, and then it was the, the Wolverine, Wolverine. Yeah. and I was like this fucking is going to slap titties and it kind of did but it did. I like the Wolverine I like the Wolverine too quite a bit actually talk about a glow up from the Wolverine to Logan yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah um okay so to trace our steps backward just a little bit touching back on writer strike stuff yeah the first big uh, news, or not news, but the bis- the the first big piece of fallout. The first domino to fall. Yeah. Uh, is Marvel hits pause on Blade due to writer strike, and this is an exclusive from the Hollywood Reporter that dropped on May fifth, so just a couple days ago. Uh, Marvel Studios is shutting down production of its vampire thriller starring Mahershala Ali, which was set to begin filming next month in Atlanta. The feature project, which has been paused once before already, becomes the first tentpole movie impacted by the strike. Casting crew members are being notified this afternoon, so that was Friday. Um, Blade had, or no, that was not Friday, that was, yeah, that was Friday. How about that? Shit. Yes, Cast, yeah. yeah, Blade had <laughs> recently hired True Detective creator Nick Pizzolatto to work on the script, but according to an insider, quote, time simply ran out. Uh, the studio will restart the production once the strike is over. Um yeah, since the strike began, the biggest impact has been late night talk shows. Um, but this is the first big studio thing to to really hit. Uh, the article makes mention to note that Captain America: New World Order is currently filming in Atlanta, while Agatha: Coven of Chaos is also shooting in Atlanta. Fellow series Wonder Man is filming in Los Angeles. Wonder um, Man. Mm-hmm. Is a Wonder Man series? I guess. That's what Hollywood Reporter says. Okay. Huh. 
and Deadpool 3 is expected to go in front of cameras later this month in London. So Blade... Blade's getting pushed again. This movie is officially cursed. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling? I... I huge, huge missed opportunity if they're not able to make a Mahershal Ali Blade movie. But at the same time... I don't know. The cynic in me wants to say it doesn't seem like it needs to be that hard of a concept to get off the ground. What were they saying? That like he was he's been upset with the new rewrites because there's only two action sequences in a movie about a guy who fights vampires with a sword. Yeah, there was an article. There was yeah. a leaked. There was a leaked thing that that apparently he's had a lot of creative differences with the writing, um, which makes sense that if there's a writer strike that this would be impacted. Um, but it doesn't seem like it was really starting in a great place. Um, I think this is one of the worst cases that Marvel's had of putting the cart before the horse. Um, yeah. We're so excited to announce Mahershala Ali as Blade. It's going to be a dark vampire hunter movie and we're so excited. And then it goes through... It, that they, they make that announcement without having any story, like maybe a story outline. They but. did this before with Brie Larson. Remember, they announced that she was going to play Captain Marvel long before they even began writing and producing the Captain Marvel movie. And this is backfiring in a way that that did not. Um, but I, at the same time, I respect it. Like, he's, a, he's an artor. He doesn't want to fuck around making funny book movies. You know what I mean? Like, it, I think it's cool that he wants it to be good. So if it does take that long and eventually we get a really good fucking Blade movie, I'm not going to, you know, we'll eat crow for dinner again. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the movie's happening. <laughs> yeah, I think that this might be the perfect excuse for them to throw to either restart or cancel something that was already in troubled water. Like... Not that the writer's strike is, is like to label it as an excuse because it's... It, that's that might that's belittling it a little bit, but like yeah. I just mean like someone at Marvel, considering all of this turmoil that they've gone through recently of underperforming movies, underwhelming reception to their movies, varying box office. Uh, now there's this, like the production of this has been damaged, and now there's a writer's strike. I wonder if someone at the boardroom at, with Kevin Feige was like, we could just like maybe not maybe not do this one and say that it's because of the writer's strike. Yep. Uh, not to put on my tinfoil hat too hard, but it's convenient. It's hard. It's very convenient. It's hard to not think like maybe they're just using this as an excuse. Maybe. Yeah. But we'll, we won't know. Did you say they're actively filming coven of chaos? That's what the article says. That's still happening. Huh? That shows still full steam ahead. Steady as she goes. Love me some Catherine Hahn, but boy, howdy, do we not need an Agatha show. Yeah. What's the premise? Uh, it was Agatha all along. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was Agatha I Dude, Wanda. Vision. So good. <clears throat> I was telling you the other day. Wanda. Do you remember, good. Do you remember, uh, do you remember that there was a She-Hulk show? <laughs> I just thought about that again. Yeah. There was a She-Hulk you remember show. Remember how the, remember? the big... Yeah. The big final episode involves the writer's room at Marvel. Kevin Feige. Kevin Robot. Strike. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So, all right. Two more questions. Sure. How are you feeling? I want, I want like a 
percentage confidence this movie happening not happening i'd say there's a 50 percent chance that it happens okay i think the quest is on the edge of a knife stray but a little and it will fail to the doom of us all okay what about you I think that there's an 80% chance... I think that there's still an, a pretty high percentage that the movie is still going to happen. Whether or not it happens with Mahershala, I think, is a big deal. And I think whether or not it happens um, sooner rather than... Or if it gets moved around in the phases. Um, but I think Mahershala will be the first domino to fall... Like, after this, like, if they can't... If, they, if this writer strike continues to go and they can't get anything going, like, I think that he's the first person to drop. Because he's... Do, the, do you know Mahershala Ali's almost 50 yeah like handsome oh my god better looking than I'll ever be in my entire life <laughs> um, but he's getting a little old to like be committed to a project like this for so long with no results well yeah Blade Blade was probably bound to be one of the Marvel movies that might have just been like a really good one and done that's not their style, though, man. They want to sign you to at least three, three pictures. If that's well, Blade, one Blade and, and two Secret Avengers War. movies, yeah. yeah. But still, that's a lot of time on set. God, if the Avengers in three years was supposed to be Sam Wilson, Doctor Strange, Blade, Yelena, no, she's on the Thunderbolts. Uh, well, she will be an Avengers one. Well, you think so? Kate Bishop. Team sounds terrible. Or, <laughs> well, you were joking yesterday when, or this morning when we put on Infinity War to just like chill this morning. Yeah. And there's the Disney, the Marvel splash screen of all the characters, and you're <laughs> like, oh boy, here's everybody. I'm so excited to see their movies. And it's just like Sam Shang Wilson. Shang-Chi, I Shang- guess, would be there. I like Shang-Chi. I do too. I like that guy. Yeah. I do. Huh. That movie came out two years ago? Shang-Chi? Yeah. Yeah, 2021, right? Ooh. <laughs> time, time. No announcements on when he's coming back. Circle. I'm gonna cut. No, no, nothing for Simu, which is a bummer because I really like him. Yeah. I don't, maybe Daredevil? Maybe Daredevil. Maybe he just won't get another project until Secret Wars. And I wouldn't care about that character if he's only in one movie. Marvel's doing the scattershot approach right now, man. And they I, took wait, a shotgun so to what face was, four. What were those beacons in the Ten Rings? No Remember idea. That? No yeah, one knows. No idea. Yeah, they set up a lot of loose ends. Remember when a celestial showed up and kidnapped a bunch of people and then no one talks about it? Remember how there was a celestial that got frozen in the Indian Ocean the size of a continent and no one talks about it? It's been how many Marvel movies since Remember? the Eternals? That there's like a giant being in the middle of the water. No one talks about it. I would assume that would mess some things up. I hope they make fun of it in Deadpool. That'd be great. He's like, what the fuck? No one's going to talk about the giant that's listening to that the would ocean? Be, that would be great. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. All right. Well, Blade might happen. It might not. Blade might happen. might not. We will see time. Jonathan Majors will not be playing Blade, though. That's for sure. And Jonathan Majors will not be in any Marvel movies going forward. I, I am almost 
pretty certain of that. I'm almost 100% confident in that. He, Let's just been say too that the rider strike stuff. is also a convenient time that they can put a pause on that and sort that out, potentially. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Feige rigged <laughs> he started the, the whole rider, rider strike. strike just to get Jonathan Majors he's, out of the he's franchise. He's Palpatine. He orchestrated the Clone Wars. Jesus. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick short break, and then we will be back with our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And not just hypothetical shit like Blade. We're here to talk about an actual motion picture, everybody. It's Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, written and directed by James Gunn. Yeah. The third film in the Guardians saga. This will be the sixth appearance of the Guardians. Guardians 1, 2, 3, Infinity War, Endgame. To the fifth. This is the fifth. 1, 2, 3, Infinity, Endgame, Love and Thunder. Oh, yeah. See? I already forgot. Love and Thunder. Thor, we need your help to win this battle. Just never your loss. Look for the people you love. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Guardians 3, uh, I think the biggest... The, this is officially kicking off summer movie season. It's here. Yep. Uh, this is for the first really big tentpole movie of 2023. Mario um, would say otherwise. Mario, billion dollars, whatever. Whatever. Fucking shit. Plumbers. Um, I think that movie's delightful and you're gonna love it when you watch it yeah I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure but yeah here we are we're here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 we're gonna do some details here at the front and we're gonna do spoiler free for like a minute or two we'll give you kind of our surface level thoughts yeah. maybe like 5-10 minutes and then we'll dive into spoilers five so we'll better. we'll make it very clear when we're switching to spoiler conversations um, but yeah as for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 Starring the regular the regular folks, we got Chris Pratt, we got Bradley Cooper, fucking Palm Clementif, Dave Batista, Karen Gillan, Vin Diesel, uh, Chuck Woody Awuji, is how we just is how his name is Chuck Woody. I think it's Chuck Woody. Chuck Woody. Mr. Awuji. Mr. Awuji. So Mr. Awuji, uh, the newcomer here playing the High Evolutionary. Um, so he's that Zoe Saldana's in there. Sean Gunn is back as Kraglin. Maria Bakalava plays Cosmo, the space dog, reprising her role from the Christmas Will, special. Will Poulter. Will Poulter is Adam Warlock. Um, I saw... Linda Cardellini. Linda Cardellini is Lila. Are you fucking serious? I'm not, I'm not messing with you. That's a thing. I think... I don't think you're right. Hold on a second. <laughs> Fucking fact check me. I'm looking right now. I'm looking right now. I'm looking. <laughs> Linda Cardellina is Lila. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Freaks and geeks. And Elizabeth Debicki was Aisha. I know who that is at all? Aisha is the high priestess. <sighs> Elizabeth Debicki, really good in Tenet. Movie. Have you heard of it? <laughs> heard of it. Have you haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. <laughs> maybe uh, we watch it after this. Maybe we watch it after this, or we watch Fast Nine. Oh my God, we're doing that. You son of a bitch, of it. Or if it's go. too, or if it's too late because it's already it's not gonna be. Too maybe late. we watch it tomorrow morning with bloodies. Let's really start it. At least start it. Yeah. All right. We'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Dip our feet in. Get it just. Oh. Uh, oh. The waters. Oh, it's just. It's so hot. Oh, what's that? It's getting nice. Yeah, Guardians. Uh, b- box office. Here we go. So, 
Um, Guardians officially kicked off summer blockbuster season Friday. Uh, domestic numbers have yet to come in. Analysts indicate the film drew in about $48.2 million on its opening day, a figure that includes a $17.5 million in Thursday previews. Uh, the trilogy capper is on track to land within its expectations heading into the weekend, which had previously pegged the Disney release to take root with 110 million to 120 through Sunday, which would be enough to notch the second highest opening of the year behind only the Mario Brothers movie. Uh, yeah, but it would still, even if the movie comes, so here's an interesting thing. This just shows you where we're at right now with with Marvel and comics, comic book movies. Their projection on the high end was 120 million all the way through to Sunday. Even if that's the case, that would still be a quarter down from the 146.5 million debut earned by Volume Two back in 2017. Wow. So we'll see what happens when the dust settles on Monday when we get reports of the box office over the weekend. But even at the highest end of their projection for this movie, it's still less by about 20 some million. Than volume two. Okay. And I wonder why. Like, I wonder if it's oversaturation, the fact that maybe this this movie's longer. It's two and a half hours long. Yeah. I looked up the runtime. Felt longer. It felt long. Felt long to me. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't cut anything necessarily. It just felt like there was a lot of scenes being set up. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk we'll talk about that. I think there I think you maybe could have trimmed some fat, but you know. Maybe That's less maybe less talking about whether someone's a bad dog or not. I thought that was kinda of cute, but we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um Yeah. And then Rotten Tomatoes, because we always we like the Rotten Tomatoes and that might be a tease for a little thing we'll do here at the end of the pod when we're nice and sauced. What? <laughs> um Cause we are. <laughs> Cause we are. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, sitting right now with an 81% critic recommendation with 285 reviews. This was vacillating. At one point, it was in like the low 70s, but then a bunch of reviews came through and then it pushed it back up to the 80s. Now it's the highest I've seen it so far at an 81%. With an audience score, have you seen it? No, I'm going to guess. What are you going to guess? 90. 95. 95. Damn. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. John, I think it is... Real quick, give me your brief history with the Guardians franchise. I've seen both of them in the theaters with you, I think. No, I don't think we saw the first one. I didn't see the first one with you. Never mind, sorry. We saw the second one together, though. I love them. They're great. They're they're both in my top ten for the Marvel Marvel movies for sure. Um, it's it's that Cinderella story. That first one was so delightful, and no one saw it coming. And they've been able to create such a interesting trilogy within this large IP franchise that has so much heart and like you really care about these characters. Like yeah. Like, in ways that I don't care about a lot of the Avengers that we've been talking about lately, so. Or even some of the ones that were in the first go-around. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. But, and that's a tribute to the performances and and, uh, James Gunn for writing it that way. To to want to make his own version of Star Wars, which is 
a fairy tale about a family. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, I'm right there with you. I've seen all the Guardians movies. I love them all. I think that they are in the top. They're in the A S tier of Marvel movies. Like I, I, I think that what well, I, I have my MCU list. I'm going to slot this movie in when we get to the very end of the pod. Um, I've been thinking about where I want to rank it. It's hard, but. The Guardians movies are all in the top tier for me. I love them. I think that they're so good. And I think that, um, you know, something that something I was thinking about, like, while watching this movie was that, like, James Gunn recently posted on his Instagram where he was, like, 15 years ago today. Because the first Guardians movie came out 15 years ago, almost, or something like Jesus. that. And... No, no, that was Iron Man. It came out 10 years ago, almost. 10 years. Because still, 20, it was 2014, so 2014. almost 10 years. Okay, so almost 10 years ago, um, he was saying like um, like 10 years ago, quote unquote. I had a meeting with Marvel and I pitched them on a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and he was writing in his Instagram post. He was like, "I wanted to make a movie that wasn't a new version of Star Wars, but I wanted to remind people what it felt like as a kid seeing Star Wars." And I think that James Gunn saying that makes all the sense in the world because yeah. the first Guardians movie, I think, is basically a new hope. Like, for... Not, like, one for one, but, like, it's like... You meet everybody. You meet these characters, you're immediately invested in their story, that they're fighting a big a big thing, like a shadowy figure. There's some humorous banter. Obviously, Guardians is a little bit more escalated humor than in A New Hope, but you really only get like a couple lines of humorous dialogue in that. Uh, that movie's hilarious. New Hope yeah. is funny, yeah. But it's like, yeah. it, Guardians, the first one is like a joke, 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 sure, joke, sure. joke, every few seconds. Um, Xandarians, what, what a, a bunch, bunch of losers. losers. But you think about that. like You think it's cool to need help walking? It's not cool, you little gargoyle. You think about the first Guardians, and I, I remember leaving the theater after seeing Guardians 1, Mason, Ohio, Regal, mm-hmm. Thin- Regal Thinemouth, Mount Tyson, I'm spinning like Mount Tyson. I remember a car coming up right here. And I remember thinking to myself and saying like with the group of people that I was with, I was like, that felt like, like a Star Wars. I was like, that felt like what I felt like as a kid, like watching Star Wars. Like, but I think the Guardians movies have take, have evolved since then. So I don't think all of them feel, like Guardians Volume Two doesn't quite feel like Empire Strikes Back, and this doesn't feel like Return of the Jedi, because I think that the franchise has been able to kind of grow and change with Gunn, and they, his characters have matured a little bit. He's I think. been through a lot. Yeah. He got fired from making this movie and then came back. Fired and was like, "I'm going to be the first MCU movie to drop an f bomb." Yeah, with? that's right. Spoilers. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Uh, One but of the funniest things I've ever seen. Straight up, dude. I can't wait to talk about that soon. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I just think like it's just cool. Like I, that, all that just to say, it's very cool. I think what James Gunn has been able to accomplish with these movies is something very special, and I think that and that cast too. Like yeah. they've been together for definitely filming it for a decade, um, and you know. Getting sucked into the Avengers movies and Thor: Love and Thunder, and then still having the the drive to want to show up for this specifically, like you can feel the performance from Batista in this is so much more rich than what's in Infinity War. You know what I mean? So it's like not that that's bad, but like he cares about working with James, right? Yeah, you can and tell that cast loves each other in the same way that the Peacemaker cast really loves each other. And that shows that that guy really like has a has a great impact on 
on people. Like, yeah, he said some terrible stuff back in the day, but like Disney, this was the smartest decision to do. Like if they made a Guardians 3 without him, it would. I don't think it would have been anywhere close to as good as this movie. And we will certainly talk about what we think the future of this franchise. That's what I don't want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I want this to be the last thing that they do. Yeah, and it's mark. It's being marketed as such, but you know, the money train keeps it rolling. But we'll we'll, let, we'll not get cynical, and save that for a little bit later. But uh, yeah, so that's our history with the Guardians franchise. We're both very much in on these. So John. We had a little bit of time to discuss it. You said you liked it when we left the theater, but we didn't like want to. We wanted to save a little bit of thoughts to kind of just like talk about it here on the pod. Now that I've had a little bit, a little bit of time to kind of decompress and like think about things, so I, I want to hear it. I want empty the tank, baby. I think it's great. I think it's the 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 ending of a trilogy that I wasn't expecting to be as good as it was. Usually, the third installment of something is typically not the best. Usually, the second one is. You know, if you think of Empire and uh, The Dark Knight and things like that. The Planet of the Apes trilogy that came out recently. Um, This was really good, though. Like, really bold um, while also being safe and comforting. And the colors, it's just like, it really pops. I'm certainly glad we saw it on Dolby. Emotional as fuck. Like, I would be surprised if you go see this and there's an entirely dry house at some points. Like, there's some just like stuff that's literally catered to, to, you know, make an emotional response. Because that's the theme of the movie is ultimately like things that are made to be something else and find those expectations of them. It's just really beautiful. But I think it's easily the best Marvel uh, movie since Endgame, including the Spider Man movie. So, okay. Yeah, that's tough. I really like No Way Home. Yeah, but have, how much have you rewatched it? I've watched that movie a few times. I mean, after the first initial like excitement of seeing all the Spider-Man stuff, you're kind of like, <laughs> oh, I I disagree vehemently. Okay, that's fine. Um, I think this has way more. This is gonna have like, it's a little bit harder of a watch. That's, but this is a this is a better constructive film than that. In my opinion. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. I, I think No Way Home is messy, um, but it's beautiful. And Marissa Tomei and all the villains, Doc Ock, fucking the goblin. Yeah, it's great. It's so so. I'm not so saying good. it's bad. I'm just saying I think this is I think this is a better better made film with more heart and it's more well thought out and it wants to be something that is an end. That is not an end to Spider Man. No. No no it's no. a beginning. Of yeah. a new era. I think Spider-Man No Way Home might be more entertaining for me, but I think that this is probably a better overall stem to stern movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that is my... So I think that this might be... Uh, I think this officially cements the Guardians trilogy as being the best trilogy in the MCU. Mm-hmm. It's really close with Spidey, though. Because Homecoming is one of my favorite Marvel movies. It's just like a perfect superhero movie. That Spidey trilogy is very good. But very good. I think Guardians just generally, the all three of them are so fucking good. Yeah, I have to look at my list. Um, and we'll, we'll bust out the list, but it's close. It's either this or that. Um, but man, okay, so yeah, Guardians 3. I really enjoyed the movie. I think that it's really, really good. I think that it is too, it, it's a, it felt long. 
Um, it, none of it felt like unnecessary, but it just felt long. So that was my, not, it's not a complaint even. It's just like, I'm just, I don't know, long movies. I, I recently just sat through Bo is Afraid <laughs> and this is 30 minutes shorter than that, which is just unbelievable. Um, you had more fun in this one though? Than Bo is Afraid? <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. God, that movie. What a nightmare. Um, no, I think it's great. I think it's it's absolutely great. I think it's a it's a departure from what Guardians has been, but I think that, like I said earlier, I think it's cool that James Gunn has been able to experiment with this franchise. Like, none of the movies feel the same. They have, like, they all feel like they have their own unique identity, and it always feels like the characters are learning and growing up and changing. Like, it never feels... One of my least favorite things about uh, movie series is that oftentimes it's like, oh... Let's pick things up right with this character. We know exactly what their deal is and what they're going through. Drax at the beginning, uh, and like, and when when the credits started rolling, this is not a spoiler. When the credits roll, there are Polaroid photos that are over on the credits of all of the biggest moments from Guardians One, Two, Infinity War, Endgame, and this. And I found myself getting like kind of emotional and feeling like kind of like listful, looking at like old photos and thinking like, man, Drax has come a long way. I was like, I was like, Palm Clement, I was like, fucking Mantis, like, who, when did I ever think that I would love Mantis as a character the way that I do? Yeah. Like, it's really fucking impressive, I think, what James Gunn was able to accomplish with this trilogy and like, taking these characters and letting them evolve and change and grow over time, it's like, it's yeah. really, it's really something special. Yeah, definitely. So, I think that this is a, I, I think it's an, it's definitely an achievement. I, I just think that, I wish it was a little bit shorter. I think you could have trimmed a little bit of stuff but like again i think this is this is the most epic guardians movie like it feels like an epic like this is the we have to accomplish this thing and it's a it's like a sprawling story with all these different planes of action and fucking flashbacks and it's actually like a it's not like ronan's gonna destroy xandar or yeah. Me and my dad are, are like reconnecting. The plot here is like way more dire. Like there is actually like immediately stakes within the first 15 minutes. And yeah. I found that here's the one. And this is again, not, no, no spoilers. We'll switch to spoilers soon. I found myself feeling really anxious this whole movie because yeah. I was like, because um, you care. Because I care about these characters. And I feel something. And there's not been a Marvel movie in this phase. Since Endgame, that made me feel something besides Spider-Man. Besides Spider-Man, yes. But that was a feeling of joy for the most part. And also it's, sadness. When well, one one moment of sadness overwhelmed by other moments of joy of seeing nostalgia. This is not nostalgia. This is just me being on the edge of my seat because I'm worried about my family, essentially. People that I've grown up with in, in, yeah. in formative years, you know what I mean? So sure. It's like, again, so like a Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was like, I was I was legitimately worried because it wasn't like, I hadn't felt this way since Infinity War where I was like, at any moment, any of these characters could die. Mm-hmm. And that, like having that feeling, that like pit in my stomach and thinking like, I really don't know if I can handle it. Like there was a scene where they kind of tease like one of the characters getting killed. And I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm like, I'm really not feeling this at all. And then like they kind of, change the path a little bit but um 
I don't know. It's just like it, it's a it's a very emotionally impactful movie. Like some people might, I can see people already like on the internet. Like I can see people arguing like some of the emotional beats are cheap cheap gets, but I think it's so much deeper than that when you look past the surface. Like yeah, there's like if you struggle with animal movies, this might not be a good watch for you. Um, yeah, because. Uh, I could see this being pretty emotionally devastating for people that like have problems with animal cruelty. Animal cruelty. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll say this: one of the best villains in the MCU. For sure. I think that one of the, uh, best, one of the best villains I've seen in a movie. Period. Lately. Sure. I mean, he's like just downright he's, sinister. He just on all he doesn't care who he hurts and how he does it. He has a purpose that he really believes in. And it's completely fucked up. Whereas, like, Thanos is very much like, this is my goal, I'm going for this, no one can get in my way, but I'm not really, like... Like, he tortures Nebula, which is bad, but, like, this guy's, like, fucking exploding turtles and shit. So it's like... (laughs) Jesus. He's fucking with the evolutionary cycle. There's a line in the movie... There's a line in the movie where someone says, like, oh, it's like... It's like... God forbid or whatever and he's like there is no God that's why I stepped in or whatever and it's like that's a fucking that's a bad guy right there Yeah. so yeah I don't know surface level like before spoilers I'll just say I mean two thumbs way up I think it's a top tier Marvel movie I think that um, you know I might have like a couple small nitpicks but yeah Overall, I think like the movie is is really really well solidly made. I think that it will be my one of my least rewatched movies in the Marvel universe because of the anxiety. Just because of yeah the general so dread of the coming. movie. Maybe it'll be maybe it'll make it a little easier for me. I'd be curious to see it again, but um, it's just heavy. Like the themes in the movie are heavy. Like it's it's hard to imagine myself just being like, well, I'm just gonna throw this on to get some enjoyment. Like. There's levity within the movie, but like, there's a lot of really heavy, dark shit in this movie. Like, yeah. constantly that it's like, I teared up multiple times in the movie. Like, I was I was yeah. in a bad way toward the end, and like, yeah, I don't know. So it I, I it's not as that's why I said like I think Spider Man No Way Home might be more like entertaining to me, but this is probably a better nuts and bolts movie. Yeah, for sure. That, I would agree with what you said. Okay, I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right, do you want to do spoilers? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, so you'd recommend people would see this movie? Definitely, yeah, of course. And like, unfortunately, we, we're we're in the bag for all these movies, so like, we're gonna go see Quantumania, we're gonna go see this, but like, this is one that you should actually see, if, if especially if you've seen the other two. Yeah. Okay. Then, uh, with the remainder of the pod, basically, we're just gonna talk full spoilers on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Mm-hmm. Um. Is there anything that you want to touch on first? What's what what's jumping to mind? What what do you want to what do you want to discuss? Um, I think we should talk. Let's just do it. Let's get it out of the way. Let's talk about the the rockets' relationship with the High Evolutionary and his found family there mm-hmm. in the cages and all the flashback stuff because I think that that shit is so good. I mean, it's it it's incredibly so powerful, haunting. But that is, it's one guy acting with a bunch of CG animals, and it's really good. 
It's like it's really good. Like the scene where he's um where he's holding little rocket and they're like up on the bridge of the ship and they're like looking out at stuff and he's like pointing things out and he's like explaining the purpose of everything almost as if like he's like his son and stuff like that is really good it's like really good and it's he's like really solving good. like algebraic equations and stuff it's just like yeah Mr. Woji crushing it like he's so good in that movie and honestly like I have you seen him in anything before Peacemaker in this like no dude's a fucking stud really good yeah got a lot of range cause like Mern's so reserved in Peacemaker um and in this he's like loud and he has like explosive moments where he's like yelling at them and like like even at the end when he's fighting Rocket before the rest of the Guardians come in to help him kick his ass where he's like you're like an abomination that should never have been made you're just like a stepping stone in the next thing it's like this guy's a fucking monster yeah it's really terrifying he's getting I mean like yeah, I don't know where James Gunn found this guy, but like, yeah, ever since yeah, in Peacemaker, he's excellent, and in this, he's excellent, absolutely, like capital E, excellent. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's a really cool range of emotions that he gets to play. I'm sure that this was a really fun role for him, too, because like, not only are you able to kind of like fully embrace like total evil fucking, I don't care about any kind of life, like, I'm just like a completely cold, calculated, like, fucking maniacal evil person like it was cool to have moments like that where you're saying on the bridge where he has like a oh god that bird felt so good he was talking with rocket and like having like a really like he's like he's like this is the purpose of these things and that's beautiful he's like we're gonna find this and he's like you i was like man i kind of believe this guy or whatever (laughs) and then like the next scene is like him that scene where he like figures out the equation or whatever and he's like He's like basically drunk or whatever like he's just drunk off of like fury fury and he's like yelling at everybody and the thing i was like man this is like you kind of get as an actor i bet that it's that true, was a right? fun role because you got yeah. to do a bunch of different kind of things you know yeah yeah but and then obviously all the all the like they're like the the animals in the cage so like lila and what's his name teeth, teeth. and floor yeah very much like um, the toys that like Sid fucks with in Toy Story, where it's like they didn't they didn't deserve to be treated this way, but here they are. So it's like they're like this found family of living in the cages. Rocket obviously has the most potential and everything, and he's like collecting stuff as you go. So you can see he's like trying to build things, which is like set sowing those seeds for his tech prowess and everything like that. But that shit was all like it's just you know what's gonna happen. Oh yeah, I was like the fuck. whole time. <laughs> the, as soon as they start to like give each other names and like even the first scene where like baby little rockets like bleeding and they're like helping him out and he's like shivering and stuff like that. It's just like dude, I'm gonna get sick talking about it now. That's like, the pro- dude rock. So like baby rocket, baby rocket is just on its own adorable. Enter it, but so the, scared. yeah, but then enter in the concept of like animal abuse and like he's like getting tested on and tortured and there's that scene where he he like comes in the cage or whatever and he's like bleeding from the head you can see that he's been like fucked with with the brain like there's like stitches around him and like like metal over his body and like they're asking him a bunch of questions or whatever and like he can barely like do anything he doesn't know how to talk but the first word he says is hurts and i'm like god damn (laughs) i was like Fuck! I was like, that is way yeah. too heavy right now. That is way too heavy. Uh, like this tortured <laughs> raccoon. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. And then like brutal. when the um when the Guardians get the data disc later on and they're like watching the recordings of Rocket being made and it's just like the baby squealing and they're just like they're all like crying and they're like, How come you never talked about this and stuff like that? It's like it's really sad. It's awful. Like it's just terrible, yeah. terrible circumstances. Yeah, it's real bad. And, shit. It, and now in hindsight, seeing how that story plays out with the tragedy that he's been through, sure. I'm so glad that by the end of the movie, he inherits the Guardians and becomes a hero for people that inspires and leads other people because he's been through so much. And like you know, and if you think about his arc from the first Guardians. All the way through the Avengers movies, when it, with his interactions with Thor, where he's still kind of selfish, to where he is now, like him sitting with all of them in that mid-credit stinger, where he's like, "What's your favorite song? What's your favorite song?" And he's like, "I like this one." And then they're like, "We'll follow your lead captain." And it's just like he gets to become the hero of the story, which I think is beautiful. It's beautiful. And it's that, a beautiful. And end. that's the moment too, like uh, where he meets with Lila. In like that in between, almost like in Harry Potter when he sees Dumbledore at King's Cross before he comes back to life, and where she's like, she's like, it's always been about you, but now the narrative, like I don't exactly remember what she says, but essentially it becomes like James Gunn's wanted to tell a story about. He this says character. she says this has always been your story, you just never realized it yet, or something like that, and then yeah, you- really cool, really good idea, and so. That being said, it makes all that pain that he puts you through over two and a half hours worth it at the end. It's very cathartic. And, and uh, the end of the movie and is... And freeing all the animals, too. Yeah. yeah the, the end of the movie, like the last ten minutes, I think, is, is brilliant. I think that, you know, we talked, about the, we talked about the villain. We talked about Rocket and, like, the group. I, I'll say, like, I thought the group was good. It was, it was so, like, just visually... Also, gut-wrenching and heartbreaking, too, because, like, the other animals are, like, just all fucking helpless creatures. Like, Rocket has the ability to do some shit. I'll say that. The hardest the hardest cry for me in the whole movie is this, the, Lila, the Lila death scene. And then, like, Rocket's just, like, scream of pain or whatever. And I'm like, oh, God, this is awful to watch. And, like, I'm, like, squirming in my chair and, like... Yeah. I have a bad, like, beard. I, like, I'll twiddle my beard whenever I'm nervous or anxious. And I was like, this is a bad movie for Zach's beard. Because yeah, I'm yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. picking at that shit like crazy. Yeah. Um, but the last ten minutes of the movie, I think, are brilliant. I, th- I think that, like, literally it's up there with some of the best that the Marvel Universe has had to offer. In terms of, we get a super poignant, I, th- I think, a genius ending to the whole Gamora-Peter thing given everything they set up in Infinity War, where it's like people were complaining about, oh, well, we killed Gamora. That death didn't mean anything because you can just bring her back. Turns out you can't. And it turns... The Soul Stone stuff, which I love that joke that he makes too, where he's like, everyone else came back, not her. (laughs) And then... (laughs) He's like, I'm not some kind of Soul Stone magician or something like that. I don't know. But... The fact that it's like, okay, it actually gives a really interesting, it sets Peter up in a really cool way at the beginning of the movie where he's like drinking and he's super upset about like, you know. Which is not where he was in Love and Thunder. No, but he did look bad in that movie. So maybe he (laughs) was just really Maybe there's some scenes that that got cut. Got cut. Um, But the whole ending of Peter and Gamora just being like, 
she ends up like she is a different person the fact that he can like see that yeah. and instead of them having I think it would have been super duper cheesy and not James Gunny to, for them to have like a super happy ending I love the last conversation they have where he was like she's like I bet we were fun yeah. he's like oh, yeah you would like you have no idea and then she goes off to be with the Ravagers, and you can clearly tell that she's like having a good time, and yeah, like she she belongs her. there. Yeah, like it's just a. I think that's like a beautiful piece of writing. Like I think that you, it's a good it's a good like example of somebody working with what they're given. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love the last ten minutes. I think that the two thousands playlist on the Zune, getting that Dog Days Are Over needle drop from Florence and the Machine, excellent, excellent pick. James Gunn, um, I'm a sucker for little Florence and the Machine. Yeah, that that song is awesome. Uh, I've seen her live perform good, that song. So it's really good cool. stuff too. From uh, the there's a trio that gets a lot of time together, which is uh, Mantis, Nebula, and Drax, which I think is really good. You know? Yeah, they do a good job with them for sure. Yeah, I liked. Um, for the most part, I thought that it was really cool that this movie had a lot of like all of the Guardians together in one spot doing things. Like it was like the anti Last Jedi syndrome, whereas like Last Jedi hated a lot of stuff where they split the characters up. But in this, there was more sporadic. Like they would split the characters up, but then they would eventually bring them back together to do things. And there were a lot of great scenes where it was all of the Guardians in a scene together working together. Yeah. And I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, for sure. But, um,. Yeah, the ending. That uh, so the movie's proper end is the dog days are over music needle drop with everybody kind of doing their thing. Mantis waves goodbye to Drax. She goes off. She's gonna go do a little bit of soul searching with the fucking battery munchers or whatever. What are those fucking things called? The flurkins? I don't remember. Something like that. The battery munchers. Drax ends up becoming a father to all these children and animals, which I think is very beautiful and poignant for the Drax character as well. Um, Nebula finally gets a little bit more optimistic, which, shout out to Nebula, by the way. What a glow up that that character has had since Guardians 1, like where she was like kind of like a joke. Yeah. And she's turned into like great, like... Another moment that got me teary-eyed was when when Rocket gets resuscitated and they can hear his voice on the comms and Nebula yeah. like just starts immediately crying when she hears that Rocket's talking. I was well, like, man, that's Think about good. it. They survived the snap together. They spent five years together without everybody else that we never got to see. Which is like... I thought about that immediately like with her um, insistence on, on helping out as well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I really like Nebula in this movie, like unsung hero. I thought that she was great. I thought that Karen Gillan did a great job in this one. Like, I, I don't, I, I thought that that was awesome. Yeah, for sure. She's um, great. Lights out. Did you have a standout cast member besides Rocket? It's, it's, it's I mean, Rocket's awesome. Me, I know he's probably your one of your favorite. Like, he's my favorite MCU character, bar none. It's him, it's Thor, and it's fucking, we'll figure out the rest another time. But like, those guys are just, <laughs> I love those two so much. Um, although, my, my feelings on Thor are diminishing a little bit um, as of late. But not Rocket, if anything, they just keep getting better. Um, I, obviously, I think it's got to be the High Evolutionary as the most standout cast oh. member for me, personally. But the one that I would like to give a, a, a shout out to is Chris Pratt. I always like shit on him like when we talk about Jurassic World and everything but like 
He's really good at playing Star Lord. He's he's very good in this movie. And he's not cartoony like he is in Infinity War. Like this performance specifically is a different Star Lord. Like he's been through some shit. I think he's playing this version of the character a lot more somber. I like that. I like it too. I do. It shows that he's not just a haha guy all the time. I mean, he has moments of that in this movie for sure. Yeah. As he would, like, you know, when he's talking to that lady and the <laughs> in that corporate building or whatever, and then Gamora just pulls a gun on her and she. Oh and yeah, like, the whole I, flirting thing. She's like, you don't know if she was interested in me. She's like, I kind of thought you were too. She's like, well, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, like he's, I think I think those these movies don't work as well though if he's not in them. Pratt, yeah. There's something about Pratt's bumbling, everyman type vibe that I think really works for that character in a way that, like, as much as I love, like a Chris Pine, like if Chris Pine was Star Lord, I think he'd be too serious. Yeah. I mean, I if yeah, you're right. For all the There's shit, like an endearing, an endearing type of like empathy that you feel for that guy because he just wants to be loved so badly. Yeah, yeah. For all the shit that I talk about Chris Pratt, like I actually do think that he's probably his best role is is Star Lord. I think he has been impeccable in all the movies. Like, I mean, I like this whole another thing that we left off to like the what we've been up to segment is I've rewatched all the Guardians movies before three. And um, rewatched Infinity War a little bit, like uh, the Guardian scenes. It's like he's good. He's very, very good. I, I, I shit talk Chris Pratt because I think that it was just like you know he's he's in a lot of stuff. He's said some things, maybe done some things that I've not necessarily vibed with, but uh, I don't know. I I do really I do really enjoy him as Star Lord. I mean, like for better, not for better or for worse, but he did define a character like that. That like the the he's the he's our generation's kind of Han Solo. Like, and I don't mean that in any sort of like I don't no, I know I don't mean to conflate the two. <laughs> I'm just saying like in terms of like the rugged rogue character, sure. like who else has done that role and made it their own more so than Chris Pratt with Star-Lord. Like, the womanizer, the drinker, the 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 hothead, the, like, it, it's all there, and it's all done really, really well. And I think that this is probably my... I think this is, might be Chris Pratt's best performance as an actor in this movie. I can't think of a... I'm trying to think of, like, him in an other role that I liked more than him in this movie. He's really good at Moneyball, but... Uh, um, in terms of a lead, yeah, this one, <laughs> because he has to do so much more with fewer screen time in this. Like he's, like he's obviously in a decent amount of it. He's the top build cast member. But yeah. Like, yeah, he's 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 got some some mad range in this one that yeah. I really really enjoy. Um, yeah, man. Good resolution for all the characters, too, I think. Yeah, I You don't I mean, get that very often. Totally. And, you know, it definitely does feel... It feels, like, fairly definitive. I, I really... It it kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, not as a criticism, because, you know, the movie's wrapping up. You just resolve the main conflict. Then they have the scene, like, the circle scene, where they're all talking in, in nowhere. And they're, like, 
it all starts basically with Peter saying, like, I'm stepping away. Like, I, I kind of... This is just Zach playing a nitpick critic here, just to have some criticism about the movie. I might have liked that scene a little bit more if they maybe had a time jump or something. I think it would have been really interesting if it was like, okay, we, we don't just... don't know how long the time jump was when Gamora left, though. Maybe you've been thinking about that for a little bit. Maybe. He just needed closure with Gamora before he could go back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. But they all did. They all looked relatively like the same. The same. Yeah. So I think that it happened. I guess you're right. Nebulous, nebulous clothes were still like on fire. Yeah. Yeah. So like it would have been interesting to be like, okay, they they have this big thing and they go through this giant ter- turmoil and it's like maybe things don't feel quite the same. That would have been, I think, really interesting to then be like, okay, because it just it did feel like it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Like. Peter was dealing with the struggle of the whole Gamora thing for the whole thing and like almost losing his best friend. But then at the very end, second he's best. like, second best friend. And then at the very <laughs> end, he's just like, well, I need to leave the Guardians. And it's like, yeah, that was, that was fast. It was a little, it was a little fast. Well, they, they sowed seeds though throughout it with Mantis being like, you've never processed this. And like, you're complaining about people leaving you, but you left your family and you've had a spaceship for years and you never went back to check on your grandfather. Yeah, because he was scared. He wasn't ready. So yeah, that's Peter Quill's main fatal flaw is that he doesn't ever want to have to encounter those fears. So yeah, yeah. But I really like them all splitting up. I think that it was a it was a very small, a very wise decision. And the groups that did remain, like I think the whole like Drax and Nebula being a part of nowhere, like I think is really cool and. Um, I like the idea of Mantis just fucking chilling out with these Rancor motherfuckers and like going on a soul searching journey. Um, Until we get the Disney Plus show of Mantis. Oh God. Like fucking kill me. Yeah, just, just end it all. Um, we get the sting. So the last shot of the movie proper is them dancing. And then the last shot is like is Rocket like laughing, smiling in the camera and then cut to black. Start credits. But what I think should have been the actual last shot of the movie is where we pick up in the mid-credits scene, which, by all means, take it away. It's the new Guardians, uh, and they're like on some desert planet. They're just like hanging out, waiting for a stampede of wild animals that are about to like destroy this village or whatever, or like demon, demon animals, we're not entirely sure. And Rocket inherited the Zune from Star-Lord, and it's him, it's Adam Warlock, Groot, Cosmo. Who was the other member? There's the little girl. Craglin. Craglin's there. And then but one it... of the girls from the High Evolutionaries, uh, like, prisons. Yeah. Um, and they're all talking about their favorite songs, which I think is really good, from the Zune, because they've just been hanging out for yeah. so long. It's like, what's and your then, favorite musical duo? And, yeah, and the little and then, girl's like, Britney Spears and Korn. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they play Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. And uh, it, it ends with them being like, on your word, Captain. And then group, or Rocket just goes, word. And then they all like charge great. at it. It's and he great. Like flies into the screen. It's like, the, it's like one of the best sappy hero shots. I love seen. it. I love it. I think that it is so fucking awesome. The look, the animation of Rocket's face when like... They, it's gotten so good. The transition from baby rocket to adult rocket at the very beginning of the film, 
when he starts playing the Zune on Nowhere and he's like walking around. Creep. Yeah. So I'm good. A weirdo. Uh, can we talk about two things? They had to use the clean version of Creep, yeah. but then they let Chris Pratt say the first fuck in the MCU. Get in the fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> that scene. So okay, so. I think the movie, um, James Gunn knows where to put levity, and I think he knew that we needed some levity at that moment yeah, in the movie. Yeah, like getting tortured by watching Rocket's friends get murdered. Yeah, like the whole first half of the movie is like pretty... Bleak. Bleak. It's go, 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 go. Everything's dire. We don't know what's going to happen. Rocket's going to die. Rocket's we got to do this. To live. It's Peter's all bleak. Like, people yeah. are d- getting shot and dying and screaming in pain. There's the whole, like, infiltration of the, the the organic planet, which we'll talk about. But it's like James Gunn's wife, uh, what's her name? Jennifer Holland. Jennifer Holland. She gets, like, fucking shot. Court gets like, shot in the leg. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's like, okay. And then we land on the, the new earth or whatever. What, what do they call it? Counter earth. Counter earth. Thank you. And immediately it's like, there's like 10 minutes here that I think are just brilliant comedy. Like them talking to the bad people, them talking to the people <laughs> on the planet. I really like Drax. They used it in the trailers. So it, like it was ruined, but him throwing the dodgeball and like, or the little bouncy ball and like pegging the girl and like, she like hits the fucking concrete. You know what I didn't see in trailers was the sofa bit. Was yeah, that, that was in the, that was in the trailer. Okay, too. I must have missed that one or not remembered. But him just like wanting to lay is down, it? so, and then he's like, <laughs> when he's slowly leaning over, and they're like, "I see you." <laughs> That's like cow whenever he's on a soft surface. Yeah, um, yeah. That he's like, he's like, it's not for putting your feet up; it's for sitting side by side, shoulder to shoulder with other people. He's like, I'm sure it has multiple uses. <laughs> I, yeah, I really like them hanging out with this fucking weird-ass family. <laughs> this bad family. Who dies? Yeah, they do that's die. What, that's what's sad about this. Yeah, it's like the, the high whole... evolutionary has no care for, for life. Yeah. Um, he wants to perfect life, but it's a constant snake-eating-its-tail conundrum for mm-hmm. him. But yeah, the whole bit of like... Peter looks outside and sees like they have a car in the driveway, and he's like, is that your car or whatever? And... And you could tell he's gonna ask to borrow it, but she looks over and the husband, like with it, with no words, no subtitles, he just gives the like the husband's sigh, yeah. which I thought was fucking great. Um, yeah. And then yeah, the whole nebula tr- can't opening the, uh, she doesn't know how to open a car door. Like, oh man. Okay, now what? Get in the fucking car. Get in the fucking car. <laughs> I like that he can't drive either. Yeah, like, and then that was a great cut too, because it's like the the music starts playing or whatever, and then it's shot up to Gamora and the fucking. Also, R.I.P. to the Milano. Yeah. Like, this new ship is not cool at all. I mean, I get that they have to have a bigger ship to it. Is the Milano the same ship that they had in Infinity War, or is that the the Benatar? No, they have the Milano in Infinity War. I'm pretty sure. But it crashes. Yeah, because remember, uh, Nebula. Nebula drives it into Thanos, right? Drives it into Thanos. In Infinity War, no, she doesn't. Nebula and Tony. Tony are in the Milano at the beginning of Endgame, and then Carol Danvers carries the ship back to Earth. Remember that? So then, where did it go? Is it I in Thor? No idea. Uh, yeah. Well, I thought it was in Love and Thunder. So I don't know what happened to that fucking ship, but the Milano is just a cool-ass ship. This thing is like this giant 
fucking abomination. I liked it. It's not really? the worst thing. I like the Milano a lot more. The Milano is so cool. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> uh, what did you think about the music? I liked it a lot. I think, I think he's... As always, he specifically chooses stuff for themes. And I love his, his use of fucking, like, grungy emo stuff mixed in with, like, fun 80s stuff. Like, heart crazy on you, which is not used as well as I was hoping for. But it was pretty cool. Like, when it kicks over to Adam Warlock, it's dun 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 I was like, oh, it's about to go down. I liked it, though. Especially okay. the end. I think using, uh, having the one song that they recycle being Come and Get Your Love makes a lot of sense because the first thing we ever experienced with Guardians. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel like it wraps up really tightly. I, okay. I was surprised that Uga Chaka didn't make a, like a reappearance, but then like you said, I probably would have complained that there was <laughs> too much of the old music, so. Yeah, Florence and the Machine was great. I like No Sleep Till Brooklyn. That I just scene, think it's a little is, overplayed. That scene is fucking badass as shit, though. That is maybe the best action scene in the MCU since Endgame. Like, since the, like, the, action, like, all the action at the end, like, with, like... Oh, the battle? Get the football to the net, like, or whatever, like, fucking... Oh, the, like, the kill him properly this time type stuff? Well, just the whole, like, the end battle sequence, like... Tony and Pepper back to back, the fucking strange I like fight. The, this one's way more stylized, I think. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, this whole movie is fucking stylized. I think the like, fight in Infinity War is more appealing to me than the endgame battle, choreographically. Like, the endgame battle is much more emotionally resonant with the Avengers Assemble and everything, but I like the fight with Thanos on Titan and Infinity War so much more from a staging aspect. Oh, sure. Where they're all magic, trying to, Magic with the kick. <laughs> yeah, they're all like trying to hold him and everything. It's so fucking sick. Yeah, but this is like... This rivals um, Jay and the Americans in Guardians 2. It's just oh. like a badass a scene. Kind of with the fucking arrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was awesome. I mean, like... Um, so shout out to Dolby. We saw this movie in a Dolby Atmos projection. It's, by you, by it's awesome. I, it like it's it, so it's shot on IMAX, but Dolby still uses the IMAX aspect ratio. But Dolby audio is better than IMAX audio. So like IMAX is more known for like a large picture, but you with Dolby you still get the the screen resolution. So anytime they switch to when it was filmed on IMAX cameras. You could notice it, right? Like the screen like got bigger. Like it was not letterboxed or whatever. It was like the full frame. And every time it switched to the full frame, it was fucking gorgeous. This movie is like beautiful to look at. Like from a cinematography standpoint, like it, this movie is a visual feast. Like and that hallway scene, everything from No Sleep Till Brooklyn, like when the song starts playing to the Guardians starting to walk. Drax opens the door and then they do the zoom in on the camera and it's a, it's a tracking shot. It's one single shot that goes from the very beginning, No Sleep Till Brooklyn's playing the whole time in the background following each of the Guardians, one camera shot through the whole thing. It is fucking impressive and gorgeous to look at. So yeah. yeah. From a, from a choreography standpoint, it is probably one of the best, if not the best, choreographed Aren't scenes in the MCU. Aren't you excited to see what James does with the Justice League? Yes. After this? 
Godspeed, James Gunn. I really, I really, I really, really hope that your DC universe is is good. If Suicide Squad's an indicator, I think it will be. But I mean, I guess yeah. This would also, to me, arrival. Uh, I'm just the gigolo, and everybody knows. I ain't so got good. nobody. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't. Can love we also the music. talk about? T- you didn't love it. So I really like the few of the needle the drops. I think two still has the best soundtrack of all of them, yeah. um, but I really liked a lot of the music. I thought the creep at the beginning was great. I told you, James Gunn posted the soundtrack on Instagram, and I saw that shit. Wish I didn't because I would it spoiled for me the the two thousand songs. So like the newer songs, which were the Mowgli's San Francisco, which is a great song, and then Florence and the Machine. Uh, but I also saw that Creep was on the Guardians track list, and I was like, that makes a lot of sense. I kind of wish that I didn't know that going in, because as soon as the guitar, the acoustic guitar starts at the beginning, I was like, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. We're getting Creep. Radiohead, Dude, awesome song. But a lot of the songs in the middle of the movie, I was like... What's the one that's in the trailer? Because uh, it's around the same... In the Volume 3 trailer? Yeah. I don't know. Mm, I'll have to look it up. I don't know. Can we talk about how they had three slow-mo walk-towards-the-camera moments, but they all work in their own way, which is just fucking badass. Like, what was the... The very beginning, where they're holding drunk Quill, walking through the oh. water, and it goes Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The second one is when they're in the corporate building, and they're all like walking as the fucking yellow shit splattering behind them and then the one at the end for No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Good shit. James Gunn likes those... He loves uh, it. The best is still Suicide Squad in front of the American flag. Ah. <laughs> Blackguard. Mongal. <laughs> All names of letters, dickhead. <laughs> That's so good. That that I mean the Suicide Squad also has the moment of all of them walking like in the Corto Maltese or whatever when they're like going to face Starro. Yeah. But yeah, James Gunn loves the hero shots of like the teams. I'm here for together. it. Man. That's what they do I don't in don't comics. Care. It's fucking sick. I don't care. Yeah. I yeah. It's I better really... than the I don't like I know people probably really like this is probably a hot take. I don't like the circle shot from the Avengers where it just like where it goes around all of them standing back to back to back to back to back. That gets to Michael Bay for me. I, I much prefer like the, the walk towards. I think that's cooler. Sure, but that first that frame. first Avengers circle shot is, is pretty that fucking high. That moment is cool. Technically, I don't like the, the stylization because you don't see everybody all at the same time. It does uh, a good job of focusing in on each person. But Yeah, for sure. Um, so the, I wanted to talk about the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to listen to radio. I'm a creep. Yeah. Um, Fucking rocket. We should talk about the organic planet. Yeah, Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion. Stealing the show for like a hot five minutes. He, who had a a great comedy bit too. (laughs) Where he's like trying to explain, he's like. (laughs) He's trying to explain nepotism. He's like, I got a guy's cousin. (laughs) Well, but the first thing is that he's like, oh, he's like. I was running into some trouble with the with the B four nine thing or whatever, and I hit it with a little bit of the thing thing, and the guy was like, "Ah, yeah," and he's like, "Really, cool, I didn't say that. That. <laughs> really?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, 
Oh my god, that I was like Nathan such Phillips a perfect so Nathan. Much. Yeah, he's so good, dude. I don't understand why he doesn't get more roles. Um, but yeah, that whole bit, that whole bit of them, like they're like, "What were you doing? You just entered an airlock without properly checking to see whatever." It's like, "What were you trying to do? Fucking kill us all, or whatever." And then, it, and then Manson starts yelling, and I like Drax. He's like. He's like, are we all yelling? He's like, I want to be upset too. You idiot. Mantis, you asshole. (laughs) Uh, So the humor, yeah, the humor in general in this movie I thought was like less, there was less of it, but when it was there, I thought it hit. I thought it hit pretty well. And it it didn't feel like regurgitated either. Like it still feels fresh, like new types of jokes. The problem you run when you have comedic characters is that stuff is kind of like they go back to the same well you know what i mean and that doesn't that doesn't happen here thankfully no so i mean james gunn is a clearly a talented comedy writer like he's yeah, i need to see that superman movie so bad i don't think it's going to be very funny <laughs> it, but it, that, that doesn't matter like if it's like this where it's like a little bit of self-referential reflecting in on what it means to be Human versus Kryptonian, while also having characters like a, a Perry White be able to be funny. Sure, be great, so good. Yeah, yeah. I no, just want to watch this one again, though. Honestly, I'm ready. R.I.P. to my girl Lila, though. Yeah. Fucking brutal. Brutal shit, dude. Brutal. brutal. Absolutely brutal shit. I felt more emotion in that moment than every time I've seen the. Infinity Stone get ripped out of Vision's head. So you're just a Vision hater, man. Yeah, <laughs> you can't tell me I'm wrong. This is staged to be sad. I love Vision, but yeah, yeah, no, this is really well done. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm really into it. Uh, why don't we do a little bit of? Why don't we do a little bit of ranking? Okay. You got your list. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to go first? You want Not me to go? really. All right. You go first. So I'll go first. Yeah. Let me pull it Who up. Who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? I can't hear you with the, uh, the apparatus. apparatus. Let me pull up the Zack's Marvel Cinematic Universe ranked. Uh, 41 projects. This is the 42nd Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, because you do the TV shows. I just have the movies. Yeah, I have everything ranked. Everything. Down to the last... Minute detail. Um, this is tough. Gut reactions still too early, but Guardians three. I'm giving it. I would give it like on the Radiovania scale. I would say like an eight five or eight five, maybe a nine. I really like the movie. It's interesting. It's something I forgot to touch on when we were talking about spoilers. I thought you would be more upset at the fact that Rocket was basically out of the game. For most of the movie? No, he wasn't. But he was just young. He was just in flashbacks. Yeah. But, like, I thought you would be bummed that it was, like, I wanted to see Rocket do Rocket shit I've for the movie. I've seen that, though. Sure. The fact that the movie's about him, I love it so much. <laughs> I see what... I appreciate you thinking about me, though. That's very sweet. I was I just think- thinking about it. I was, like, when, when they had that one scene where it was, like, he's... It's right after the that we we didn't even talk about like Adam that Adam Warlock fight scene at the beginning I thought was fucking awesome brutal where he just like crashes like the party at nowhere murdering people yeah murdering people um, but yeah like 
they have that whole thing where it sets up. I was like, I did not expect the movie to go this way. Like, I did not expect I Rocket to be like incapacitated it. for most of the movie, and it's all about like saving his life. Yeah, I like that. He's the heart of the Guardians. Yeah, yeah. he is. All right. I also love the before you talk about it. I love the line where Mantis is talking to Nebula about Drax, and she's like. You can't just be mad at him for being dumb just because he's the only one that doesn't hate himself on this team. I'm like, damn. Like, like, this is getting so fucking deep. I love it. It's great. Emo James, I'm here for it. <laughs> he found love and now he wants to get all emotional. Get all the fucking, yeah, work out all the kinks. Yeah. So, here's my top, here's my top ten. Marvel Cinematic Universe ranked by Zack. Number one, Endgame. Number two, Infinity War. Number three, Civil War. Number four, Spider-Man No Way Home. Number five, Thor Ragnarok. Number six, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number seven is Guardians Volume 2. Number eight is Guardians of the Galaxy. Number nine is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. And number 10 is WandaVision. So those are my top 10 Marvel projects as of right now. Right now, I'm struggling with... I don't know if I like this movie better or more than or less than Guardians 2. So I think it ultimately ends up in my top 10. It's just, do I put it above Guardians 2, below Spider-Man Homecoming, or below Guardians 2, above Guardians 1? You like Spider-Man Homecoming more than Guardians 2 or 3? Yes. Really? Vulture, baby. I mean, I like Vulture 2, as you know. Good old (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah. Fucking Tom Holland is so good in that movie. I love the spy, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I love the whole the twist of the vulture. I love the Tony Peter relationship in that movie. Aunt May, fucking Ned. I I think Homecoming is like just stem to stern, just a super well constructed superhero. I'm not mad. At it. It's in my top ten too. I'm just I I I I don't like it more than the Guardians movies. All of them. It's, yeah. I appreciate that. And I love Spider-Man, as you know. Yeah, he's Spider-Man is my second favorite superhero. Well, so. the, the problem is that Spider-Man has a lot more history, too. It's really easy to like Homecoming when we've had Tobey Maguire and all these other things. And that's why No Way Home works so well for guys like us. But, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, to me, is so important to me because it made me care about people that I did not know a fuck about. Sure. It's really easy to tell a good Batman story. It's really easy to tell a good Spider-Man story. How they tell bad ones, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know why they do that every now and then. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky one for me. Like, I don't th- I think I will rewatch Guardians 3 less than either of the other ones. Um, but I think it's a way better made movie and just, like, super emotionally impactful. Um, I'm really hot on it. I, I just... Ranking it is difficult. Like, I definitely think it ends up in the top 10. I just don't know where. It's right there, though. But all the ones above it, I think that, like... Homecoming, to me, is just not just well-constructed stem to stern. Thor Ragnarok is funnier the whole way through. And it has the one of the most hype scenes in all the Marvel Universe, which is the fucking... Uh, what are you the god of again? 
And then Ragnarok is 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 genuinely just like so good. It's such a lightning bolt moment, no pun intended, where it's like we didn't deserve something that fantastic with that character. Yeah, yeah. And we did, and it set up so many great things from it, and then they've already squandered it. <laughs> it, makes me, it makes me so upset. But yeah, I love Ragnarok, as you know. That's my that's my favorite MCU film to date. Still, we could go watch that right now if you want. So good, so fucking. Hit. That's one of those movies I could throw on whenever, and I would enjoy it every time. Hi, I'm cool. I made a rocks. I won't hurt you unless you made a scissors. It seems That's like a rock paper scissors. Seems like you had a real special connection with this hammer, and losing it is akin to losing a loved one. It's a pretty nice way of describing it, actually. <laughs> oh my god, the hammer pulled you the off. The hammer pulled you off. <laughs> it's so, it's so fucking. Great. Piss off, ghost. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fucking good movie. It's it's yeah, this whole place is a circle. More like a freaky circle. <laughs> just everything Korg says in the movie is fucking brilliant. It's also just a good Loki Thor movie. Get Help is awesome. And Bruce. Like also having the Bruce stuff is good. You're just using her for the Hulk. That's so gross. No, no. no. I much prefer you. He's all <laughs> smash, smash, smash. And then when, earlier when he's like, no, oh, he's all numbers and <laughs> equations. I like when he's wearing Tony's clothes and he's constantly like pulling on his dick or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's great. I also love, uh, he knows that I love snakes, so he turns into a snake, and then I picked it up, and then he's like, it's me, and then he stabbed <laughs> and he stabbed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, that, that's my thing, is that, like, all the ones above it, I don't need to talk about Endgame or Infinity War, Civil War, but No Way Home, Ragnarok, Spider-Man, The Homecoming, like, I, I don't know. It's in that upper tier. I just don't know where I want to put it quite yet. I don't know if I'm prepared. So you're not uh, going to do that. Well... Right now, I have it. My gut reaction is below two. Okay. So. Which would be your. This would make Guardians Volume 3 my new number eight. Eight. Interesting. My new number eight. All right. Let me read you what I have so far. Yeah, read, read it off to me. My current top 10. From 10 to 1. Because you went from 1 to 10, yeah? Yeah, I really. Okay. So, 10 to 1. Black Panther, Civil War, Homecoming, Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Infinity War, Spider-Man No Way Home, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Avengers Endgame, and Thor Ragnarok. Civil War being that low, what a crime. <laughs> but it's my list. I love it. I'm it's also, a good list. And I'm also... I'm putting in... Garden you have Man. almost all the same top 10 movies as I do, just almost in a different all. order. Almost all of them. I'm putting Guardians 3 as my new number 4. Whoa! So, below 2 and above Spider-Man No Way Home. Because I think it's that good. But you still so put new, it below so, Volume 2. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Volume 2 is... We talked about this the other day. I used to be a volume one truther. And I think volume two is, you're right, is better. It's so And that good. movie is a perfect balance of humor and emotion. And uh, um, I think the thing that this movie is missing that would put three above two for me is Yandu. 
who is genuinely one of the best supporting characters so in the MCU, good. portrayed by Michael Rooker. And uh, but I think I genuinely think the best part about this trilogy is that the sequels have surpassed the original, which is what you can hope for. Yeah. And that's the that's the mark of a good storyteller. And I I love both of those movies quite a bit, but I still think two is probably gonna be my favorite. I also have way more exposure to it, but it yeah, also been, is easier yeah. to revisit. You could throw it on. It's funny as fuck. You wanna buy a battery? <laughs> Damn, I was winking with my other eye. Yeah, the all the action at the beginning is great. Baby Groot's hilarious. Baby I love the dope. The opening with Mr. Blue Sky is fantastic. Boom, 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 That's so we were talking about Return of the Jedi being one of my favorite openings. Guardians Two is also one of my favorite openings. Um, fucking Gamora and Nebula working out their shit together in that movie is awesome. Kurt Russell's fantastic. I don't think I like him more than High Evolutionary though. He might be no, my favorite villain. I think High Evolutionary might be one of the best villains in the entire MCU. Like I, I would say like Thanos is still number Thanos, one. Thanos, Loki, High Evolutionary. Yeah. No. Well, Vulture. Vulture. Yeah, Vulture. Ah, oh, Vulture. Good old <laughs> Spider-Man. I'm telling you, man, Homecoming. I, no, I love Homecoming. You're preaching to the choir. I, I'm ready for the Flash. Let's go, Keaton Hive. We up? Keaton Hive. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. No, so but I really, I really love this movie. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm and glad. I'm glad I'm you ready loved to it. to revisit it. I'm so happy that my guy's alive. I was, <laughs> I was about to be if he if he died. Let's play alternate reality. If he died, <sighs> what a rough. This pod, I would just be like, let's move on to the just next holding day. the bottle of Evan Williams taking pulls. Yeah. So John and I did predict. The last thing we'll end on is. Um, real, actually, real quick, before I read our, what we predicted before the movie, where where do we go from here? I know we I asked you this in the car. Um, the end of the movie is says the legendary Star Lord will return. He's the only one that they say will. Return. But he's the only one that he says will return. So wh- where where are you at? Where, how are you feeling? I actually do think that he might be one of the only people, only Guardians that returns into a film down the road. Because he's on Earth now, he can work with Thor, stuff like that. Like, I don't think you have to involve Rocket and Groot and Drax and Nebula. You can, but I don't think you have to. I think they, and I would actually say, I think, stick to your gun, no pun intended, and only bring him back if you're going to bring somebody back and give these other people the write-off into the sunset they deserve. The best example I can provide I'm excited for Dial of Destiny. Don't get me wrong. Last Crusade is one of the greatest endings of all time. They literally ride off in the sunset. It's it's pure joy and fulfillment for a character, and that's how I that I have not felt like that in a long time until we saw the movie tonight. Mm-hmm. And I just I just really don't want them to squander that now that James Gunn is gone because he can't stop them from doing stuff now yeah because he's over at dc and that's a that's a problem but i hope kevin feige can be smart enough to realize everything that james gunn has provided to the mcu because of this trilogy and those characters and to try to honor what he has created and this ending that he provided that i think is quite wonderful so yeah balls in your court kevin don't fuck it up don't fuck it up kevin yeah Okay. 
Last thing before we close the book on this bad boy. Guardians 3 last minute predictions. Uh, these are the guesses that we made half an hour before the movie started. John says they will bait and switch Adam Warlock. Will seem cool, but will end up being a loser. I feel like that's kind of right. Yeah. He was still cool, but like he was like an errand boy. Yeah, he's just very I he powerful. Gonna, I thought he was going to be the villain or like a sub-villain. And he was, he was just like kind of there. That's actually the stuff that you could probably cut from the movie for me. The high evolutionary stuff, or not high evolutionary, the high sovereign priestess, stuff. The sovereign, they did not need to be there. No. Um, so you, I gave you my copy of Guardians for PlayStation, right? Mm-hmm. You still haven't played it? Nope. Okay. I would be very curious to talk to you about their portrayal of Adam Warlock in that versus this, because I was set up very differently. Like... The Adam Warlock in that is such a different character. Um, and I was expecting more of a that type of character. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, you know, my expectations were a bit subverted there. Um, but I did not hate Adam... Uh, what, Poulter, right? Mike. Will Poulter. Will Poulter. I did not hate Will Poulter as Adam Warlock. I thought he was very good. I just think that maybe we didn't need as much of him. Sure. I did like the bit at the end where he's like trepidatious to join the group hug and he's like kind of like touches the person's arm or whatever. I was like, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zach and John both say Rocket is toast. He wasn't. No, we were wrong. One last mission. Guardians disband or go with other groups. We were right about that. We were right. Zach says no Harry Styles. John says Harry Styles. I'm glad I was wrong. Glad I was wrong. Mm. John says Nirvana, dumb needle drop or Avril Lavigne. Mm. I yeah. think a Nirvana would have been smart. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that hallway fight with fucking In Bloom. Imagine that hallway scene, but it's with the uh, the Fixer by Pearl Jam. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I actually just I, I bet you people just splice whatever song they want over that. Yeah. It was hype. Yeah. No. See. Democrat. Yeah, that fight was awesome. Can't wait to watch that again. Yeah. Um, substantial Nathan Fillion cameo. So we got that. Yeah, he was in the opening credits as a as a cast member. So. Uh, so funny, by the way, Nathan Fillion. What he's a still, he's got the chops, man. He's great. He's awesome. <laughs> uh, we both guessed Howard the Duck cameo. Yeah. He was playing. Did you poker. like that scene where they're all playing cards? It's yeah. all the sub characters from Guardians. Yeah, it was fun. Like it was the the broker. From the, the broker was there. I was like, the man, they got movie. that motherfucker back. I was yeah. like, good for them. The guy from the holiday special that's in the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No Kevin Bacon though. That'd that was perfect. the last one. Is that uh, John says Kevin Bacon cameo. His picture was in the credits. His but, picture yeah. was in the credits. I liked when he's like, my name is Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not... I'd very much like to go there, please. Do you think that you'll see it again in theaters? Yep. I'm going to take Julia. You're going to take Julia? Cool. All right, well, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it the second time. It'll be nice to have someone to... I might go see it again this week, honestly, by myself. 
So I can't wait that long. I don't know if I want to see this movie by myself. I was like, it I needed like someone you, to hold on like to. You need emotional support. Yeah. yeah. Might, right. I might try to go take Grayson though too because he loves the Guardians of the Galaxy. No, if Grayson loves the Guardians, I would love to hear what he thinks about this movie. Yeah. What do you think about the Cal review? Do you think Cal's going to like this movie? Yes. We'll have to keep our audience posted about what he thinks. Mm, always. Always. I, I'm a little... Uh, I don't know. I'm curious to see what he thinks. It might be too long for him. But... Yeah. Okay. They never tasted Terran before. Well, we've been going for two and a half hours. I think it's a good amount. I think as long as Guardians Three. <laughs> That's true. We just we did just cross the we're almost to the runtime of the fucking movie. Yeah. God damn. All right. Well, we'll play this some other time, I guess. Yeah. We gotta figure out a way that we can do it on the pod. Like, digitally. You just do a round tomorrow and then splice it in. That's a good point. Alright, thank you all for <laughs> listening to this episode of Radiovania. As always, you know, we really, really appreciate everything that you guys do. If you're out there and you're listening to us and you've made it this far, you are truly a fan. If you've made it this far, why don't you email me? Send it to Zach, or don't do that. Send it to, I almost said my work email. Send it to radiovaniashow at gmail.com. Uh, tweet us at radiovania. I'm at Zach Rotello. He's at Najathan Parker. And uh, yeah, that's been the episode. Thank you for joining me this week, John, to discuss Guardians. I'm glad we got to go see it together. I know, me too. What was the last, what was the last Marvel movie we saw together? Did we? <laughs> Quantumania a couple months ago. That's right. So we have seen the last few. We saw Quantumania together and Love and Thunder. Okay. Well, what's next? And we saw Wakanda Forever together, too. That's right. We did. We've seen the last four together. <laughs> God bless my beautiful friend. Yeah. Uh, what's next? What's the next Marvel project? It's the not... The Marvels. Is it the Marvels? Aren't you excited? No. <laughs> no, I'm not. <sighs> well, temper your expectations and excitement. I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure. It's but until have, then you're gonna have a terrible villain in that movie though but the comedy oh, shots just, will be on point I'm it's sure. just gonna be no name villain exactly back to fucking square one yeah imagine following fucking Mr. Wuji's performance as a villain in the MCU if I'm Jonathan Majors besides the other problems that I'm dealing with I'm shitting my pants right now that that guy's coming for my job yeah just cast Mr. Wuji as fucking Kang do it, you cowards. Are you the one with the hammer? Yeah. He was so... He, I like Jonathan Majors as Kang a lot, but he was so much better as a villain than Kang was in Quantumania. Yeah. Not, not even close. No. Same with Darren. Doesn't Darren. help that Quantumania was kind of a shit movie. Fucking anyway, Modoc. Jesus Christ. Modoc. I can't believe that <laughs> happened. Alright, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. John... Give me a Guardians quote to end the episode on. You said it yourself, bitch. We're the Guardians of the Galaxy.